on air on Fan for Racing Radio for our Talladega NASCAR Race Review and Hot Topic Sound Off. And this is Monday night, October the 3rd. Uh, in our first half hour, we are going to start with some short track news. We're going to follow that up with our review of two ARCA races. The first is the ARCA Menard Series at Salem Speedway, and then the ARCA West at All-American Speedway. Uh, two very interesting races. Uh, then we're going to uh, review the NASCAR Truck and Xfinity Series starting at 9 p.m. Eastern Time tonight. They both raced at Talladega Super Speedway this weekend. And then at 9.30, we have a guest from the Spears SRL Southwest Touring Series. Driver Dylan Zampa will be on after winning this weekend in the Stockton's SRL Pro Late Model Race. After that, we will review the NASCAR Cup Series playoff race at Talladega Super Speedway. 10 o'clock, of course, is our NASCAR Hot Topic Sound Off, <clears throat> excuse me, with our Fan for Racing crew. And joining me for tonight's show is our co host for tonight, and that is Sal Segallo. Welcome to the show, Sal. Well, good evening, Sharon. Thank you. Okay. Uh, definitely looking forward. Uh, we're going to get into the short track news here first. And one of the uh, big news stories that came out today is that USAC and NASCAR have announced a new partnership in youth racing. So the NASCAR Youth Series uh, will run a nine-race national championship schedule that will be comprised of seven pavement and two dirt races at temporarily constructed racetracks. And these races, a lot of them do coincide with the NASCAR series that are racing. Uh, for instance, on February 26th, they're going to be at Auto Club Speedway in Fontana. April 2nd at Richmond. June 4th will be a standalone event at Worldwide Technology Raceway in Madison. July 4th will be, uh, I'm sorry, the Worldwide Technology Raceway will actually be a dirt race. Indianapolis Motor Speedway on July 4th is going to be a standalone event. And then July 23rd, another dirt race at Pocono Raceway. The 20th of August, they'll be at Watkins Glen. September 3rd at Darlington. October 1st at Talladega. And October 8th at Charlotte Motor Speedway. So this is pretty cool. It's a quarter midget uh, series. Uh, and it'll be oriented uh, toward family a family platform that involves children ages 5 to 16. And uh, some of the drivers that have graduated from the USAC series include uh, Jeff Gordon, Joey Logano, Ryan Newman, Alex Bowman, Ryan Blaney, Harrison Burton, Justin Algauer, Carson Hosevar, and Todd Gilliland. So this is really uh, big news. Yeah, I guess it is. I don't know. I'm I'm not really all for it. Um, mm. There's a lot. There's a lot more to to legends and major racing than what NASCAR really knows about. And mm -hmm. um, I mean, look what they do with the ARCA series, man. We had a really great series, and and now look at that. I mean, no car counts, and they divided it up into a bunch of divisions, and and uh. Right now, Inex has a really, really. Inex and Legends of the Pacific have a really two good, really programs with the 
with the legend with the legend series, just like you mm-hmm. said, Captain, with the um, with the midgets. But I guess we'll see what happens. I mean, yeah, I kind of go with let's see what happens before we criticize it. Yeah, I, um, because I just, it'll be a regional series. Uh, I see, and you and you and, and you can't have. That's why USAC has their divisions. You can't have a regional because of the different tracks and different rule packages that no one wants to wants to um, adhere by that. That's why we're, I don't know, it does. Anyways, yeah, I guess we'll see what happens. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm sorry. I, 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 you know me, Sharon, I'm not going to try to sugarcoat anything. I'm just going to tell the truth of what I've seen and what I see because I'm out there every week, you know, week in, week out, you know, even during the week. You know, yeah, I, I guess I just have so trouble criticizing it before yeah. we've given them a chance to do something with it. So, and we don't know all the details at this point, so at least I don't. Uh, so yeah. I'm willing to kind of give them more of a chance, I guess, because I, I want to see how it plays out before I, I criticize anybody. I know. I, I, I guess it's their track record isn't really the best when – when they want to dabble into someone else's sandbox, you know, oh, okay. they can't even keep their own sandbox. They can't even keep their own sandbox in check. And then they want to dabble into someone else's sandbox, you know? So I, I think that's the way, you know, I, 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 I like the way everybody has their own series, you know, the way everybody runs their own series, you know what? It's really, you know, it's well, I really think nice part of like the that. problem is the cost of doing that is kind of, it's either drop the series or, or find a partner, <laughs> and uh, and that's the case in a lot of different situations. So uh, in this case, oh I yeah, think you it's make better oh no, you make a lot of sense. Forth. I mean, you know what you, yeah, I mean what you just said right now, you know, that made a lot of sense. But you know, I guess we'll see. I mean, well, we'll see how it I works guess you out. Zach knows what they're doing. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm um, sure Tony Stewart has his hands in it. <laughs> well, we'll see. Um, okay, does, there's some other. There's an there's another feature that's uh, I think worth checking out over at Racing America, Sal, and that's a video. RCR presents Tech Talk, and it's from the Fab Shop. They show how um, the RCR team covers the Gen Seven car and a little about its fabrication. So that's kind of cool, a cool feature that they have over there at uh, Racing America. Yeah, they, they, they like I said, you know, they both, both them and Floyd are doing really good jobs, you know, with their, um, with, you know, what they're working with. Mm-hmm. Yep, they, they uh, try to put a, a spotlight uh, on other areas that don't always have a spotlight on them, so I think that's kind of cool. Um, you know, and I think a lot of I think a lot of that is Matt. It's Matt Weaver because I know I've talked to Matt, and he's yeah. you know he's been wanting you know to you know he likes to do different to try different things, and especially now that they gave him full control, you know, of all the short track stuff with Race in America. You know, I think mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's time to you know really to really shine and. You know, I know a lot of people don't like Matt Weaver, but man, I see what this guy does for short track racing. You know what? You put aside everything, who he is, and you look at what he's trying to do, and that's where Matt shines. You know, yeah. he's willing to take yeah, that, 
that risk, take that step, you know, and and bring more into for us. Mm-hmm. You know, it's fast. Yeah, I think he does a good job. He's a fan himself, so he knows uh, pretty much what fans are looking for, and and that's I think part of his uh, his uh, qualities there as well is that uh, he's an avid fan himself. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Also, uh, over at Flow Racing, there's an article here about Kyle Busch. He won uh, the micro sprint race on dirt at Port City on Saturday night. So uh, he, he, before he ran his cup race on Sunday, he was running the micro sprint race over at Port City. That was on dirt, so that was cool to see. Yeah, he's he's not really known for his dirt for his dirt racing because he doesn't really do much dirt racing. But um, you know, to you know, to jump into a micro sprint. You know, and get out there. You know, mix it up with the guys. You know, and get the victory. You know that that shows his, um, you know, his versatility. Versatility, but not only that, but giving back to the, giving back to the, you know, to the different sports. You know, not, you know, not only going super late model races in Derby or, you know, some mm-hmm. of these races, but also you know to go to a dirt track. You know, kind of like with, with Kyle Larson and Ricky Stenhouse, and, yep, and those guys. Good. You know, the, exactly. You know, they go back and they get back to these. And I'm trying to stay on schedule here, Sal. Um, okay. Also, there's articles here about the Milk Bowl, if you want to check that out. Uh, but for now, we're going to move on now to the Arkham Menard Series. Uh, there are two races in the Arkham Menard Series this weekend. The first one we're going to talk about is Sammy Smith's victory. Uh, he led every lap over at Salem Speedway uh, for another dominant win. In the uh, Arca West, I'm sorry, in the Arca Menard series. Uh, so uh, it was uh, a pretty big day for Sammy Smith once again. He's the champion in the Arca East series this year, as well as the Sioux Chief Showdown. And uh, he has another win here in the Arca Menard series. So that was pretty cool to see. Uh, the comp- results show us that uh, Jesse Love came in second, then it was Daniel Dye in third. Will Kimmel, the local favorite, uh, came in fourth place. Taylor Gray runs out the top five. The next five drivers were Nick Sanchez, Greg Van Alt, Tony Breidinger, and Amber Balkin, <clears throat> excuse me, and Bryce Hogeberg round out the top ten. So uh, pretty cool uh, race. For Sammy Smith over there at Salem Speedway this weekend. <clears throat> yeah, well, he continued his dominance, and uh, you know now it's time to you know kind of curious, you know what what he's going to get lined up for next year. You know after you know all these wins he has here at the, in the Arthur Series. Uh, yeah, well, you know. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, he's uh, he uh, was the Arca East champion. Uh, and now he's uh, two years in a row, and now he's <laughs> he's not the champion because he couldn't race the full schedule here in the Arkham Menard Series. So I know he's raced. <laughs> excuse me, I'm having problems with my voice today. I know he raced in the um, uh, Truck Series a few times, and I'm sure we'll see him uh, do more of that next season. But I see him going after that championship in the Arkham Menard Series for next season. 
Yeah, but that's a really good possibility, you know. Um, he missed uh, four races this year, and, you know, even with those four races he missed, you know, he, I mean, he was only something like 130, 135, somewhere around their points out of the, you know, out of the, out of the lead to win the championship. Yep. So, I mean, we're missing four races, and, and you know, I think he's, well, I guess we get to the points we'll do it later, but I think he had the most wins, too, so. So that alone yep. will, um, you know, want to catapult him, you know, into the uh, into the uh, exactly. championship lead. And since we're talking about the points, let's go ahead and cover that here for the Arkham Art Series. All right. So right now we got Nick Sanchez, who has a five-point lead over Daniel Dye. Daniel Dye's in second, and then third is uh, Raja Karuth. He's 30 points out of the championship. And then from there, then we go down to fourth, which is Greg Van Alst. He's 125. And uh, fifth is uh, uh, Tony uh, Reidinger. Sixth is Sammy Smith with only 15 races in, five wins, 14 top fives, 14 top tens, and an average Amazing. finish of, um, yeah, I know, average finish of 3.1. And the... <laughs> The leader, Dick Sanchez, is average finish of 6.3. So that tells you right there, you know, how how much of a dominant season if Sammy would have ran all, all races, you know, he would have had. Mm-hmm. And exactly. Then, and then in seventh, we've got um, Amber Belkin. Eighth is Brad Smith. Ninth is Taylor Gray. And tenth is uh, Zachary Tinkle. So that runs off yeah. the top ten in the uh, Arkham, Arkham and Arturians. Yeah, it's really amongst those top three drivers. Uh, and actually it's come down to two with Nick Sanchez and Daniel Dye because uh, the next race uh, in the Arkham and Art Series will be their season finale. So so they're going to be at uh, Toledo Speedway. I'll give you the details here in just a second. Uh, their next race, and it is their season finale, We'll be at Toledo Speedway next Saturday, August October the ninth. I'm sorry, October the eighth, and that will be at 4 p.m. Eastern time. It will be televised on MAV TV Motorsports Network, as well as live streaming over at Flow Racing, and then ARCA Racing has the uh, radio coverage available. Now there is a delay broadcast of the race that took place at Salem. Uh, I guess no, there's not a. De- delay on this one. It's the All-American race where there is a tape delay on USA, but we'll get to that when we get to the next race. Uh, but, yeah, this will be the last race for the Arkham and Art Series at Toledo on Saturday. So the season finale will determine who our champion is, and it is between those two drivers uh, with just five points separating them. So... Yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be good. I mean, whoever basically whoever finishes on top, it's it's, it's gonna be the champion. You know, depending what the what the car count looks like. Yeah. You know, so it it could be a they could go three four, and Daniel Dyke could finish third, and, and Sammy Smith could finish fourth, and Daniel will take the, you know, be the champion. So that's what we're looking at. Whoever finishes higher in the in the race. In the race. The points, exactly. Whoever finishes higher in the race is gonna be our. It's going to be our champion. So, Daniel Dye is always a tough cookie. You can't never count him out. 
So uh, this is a do not miss race next Saturday. Uh, again, at 4 p.m. Eastern Time on MAV-TV or Flow Racing for live streaming. Now, for the ARCA West, we're going to talk about them next, and I'll go ahead and get this out of the way. They have two more races left after their race at All-American Speedway this weekend. They will be racing Friday, October the 14th, at the Bull Ring at Las Vegas Motor Speedway at 11.35 p.m. Eastern Time. Uh, that will have a tape delay on October the 21st at 5 p.m. on USA, but you'll be able to catch the live race on streaming at Flow Racing. Also, ArcaRacing.com will have the radio coverage available. Then on Friday, November the 4th, it's the ARCA West season finale out at Phoenix Raceway at 2.30 p.m. Eastern Time. Again, they will have the uh, tape delay on USA on November the 11th at 1 p.m. Eastern. Uh, but, th- again, the streaming will be on Flow Racing. But this time, the ra- in addition to the ArcaRacing.com having radio coverage, you can also hear radio coverage on MRN and Sirius XM, Channel 391 online or Channel 981. So, um uh, that will be the season finale then for the ARCA West Series. So only a few more races left here for the ARCA Menard Series. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and <clears throat> I'm sure you've heard the news about who won in the ARCA West, Sal. Yeah, I did because I was there. <laughs> oh, you were there. I thought, okay, I yeah. wasn't sure you were. Okay. That's fantastic. Remember last week when we closed when we closed the show out, you asked me what I was doing the weekend. I well, said I thought I'll fly that's where you Friday said night. you were going, but then you said you got Dylan yeah. uh, Zampa for the show, so it made me think, well, maybe you went to Stockton instead. No, no, I, I, I called Dylan and asked him oh, okay. on, on Sunday. Yeah, I called him on Sunday because they live out there, so I called him on Sunday. He said, yeah, he goes, I'll, I'll do the show. I was going to get called more, but... Um, uh, I know I know their work schedule is really hectic right now because both Cole and John both both raced on on Saturday and I was I always talked to John and he said they got a real busy schedule because I really wanted to get Cole on and talk about it but I'll see about maybe getting Cole next Monday and uh, you know fight okay. you know give him about a week give him a week to uh, recover from the from all the excitement. Yes, indeed, that was his first victory in the Arca West at All-American Speedway this weekend, and you mentioned it. His dad was racing with him. I think his dad finished eighth. And um, uh, it was a, it was uh, very exciting for him. Uh, he's a Sunrise Racing uh, member, uh, and uh, it was pretty cool Bill, to see Bill him. McNally. I'm sorry, Bill My McNally. Bill McNally. I knew that. Yeah. I, do, I was just looking. You know yeah. what happened. I was just watching the video, and they were showing the number okay. six. <laughs> I got. Yeah. I I went to uh, Sunrise Racing. Uh, it's actually Bill McAnally Racing, and um, it was really cool to see him get that victory, and especially where it's been pretty dominated by uh, Jake Drew this season. Uh, he had to be pretty excited about getting that win as well. You you, you know the neat thing is that this is his home track, and when they're doing driver intros, mm-hmm. they sold out. They sold out the. The, the race was sold out, so there's an awesome. CFD. And when they're doing when they're doing driver intros, you know, everybody has their favorites. But when they um, 
when they announced Cole Moore, you'd have thought that Chase Elliott was being announced. <laughs> well, that's cool. It was I'm crazy. Was it was nuts. Yeah. At his home track, especially. Jake Drew did come in second. Then it was Joey East finishing third, Tatsuza fourth, and Kyle Keller uh, rounds out the top five. The next five drivers were Tanner Rice, uh, R.J. Smotherman, John Moore finished in eighth. That's uh, Cole Moore's dad. Brian Kaminsky um, finished ninth. And Nick Joannides rounds out the top ten. So a nice finish for Nick as well. Yes, and actually Nick is just coming off of a win over here at Erndale. <laughs> Excuse me. Off, off a win um, last Saturday in the in – the, um, two weeks ago he's coming off a win. Uh, at at Erndale, he uh, for the uh, uh, was the uh, game. SRL. The SRL. Yeah, it was, it was it was the SRL Pro Lane ball win. Now that that was the race. Well, we'll talk about we'll talk about Dylan about the spin, but that's one where Dee Thompson came back to race this one race and dumped mm-hmm. uh, dumped Dylan Zapp on the last lap. And, and oh, Nick no. was happy to be on the outside. Yeah, and won the race. But um, yeah, this, and uh, yeah, then, then Nick picks up the, the tenth place win, and it was it was uh, it was this was definitely a race of attrition. There were so many wrecks; well, it was crazy. Red flags. There was I think we had two red flags. You're talking like about all American 20. now. Yes, I'm talking back at this at. Uh, at the okay. West Race Saturday night, we had we had like two red flags for like 20 minutes. Um, guys were getting wrecked. Guys were getting spun. I mean, it was a it was a battle. And and uh, I'll tell you, man, Cole, Cole and Jake put on a good show. I kind of felt bad for Joey East because Joey East led a lot of laps too. He was fast, and uh-huh. um, he got kind of shoved on a restart. That I think, in my opinion, NASCAR should have ARCA slash NASCAR should have yellow flagged him and started him over because before they even got to the to the starting box, people drivers were already just they were they were on the gas and it was it was a it was a hot mess. And uh um, mm-hmm. Colmore and Jake Colmore Jake came out and Joey was like I talked to Joey after the race, he goes, I couldn't believe he he goes how fast I got pushed to the back to get him make his way back up but um Cole and Cole and Jake battled it out and and Cole finally came out on top, and uh, um, I talked to Jake at the airport. Where we flew on the same plane yesterday. We kind of talked mm-hmm. about it. We should we would have done things different, but you really can't do things different on a track that small. The, the laps just click off so quick. Yeah, things happen so fast. Um, but, you, you you know, things are always twenty twenty in retrospect. Uh, but let's go ahead and cover the points. Jake, too, pretty much has the lead here. Uh, with two races left on the season. Yeah, I guess you could say that. I guess we we already have we already have a cha- uh, almost a champion. Um, it's going to be hard for Cole to make this up, especially with the way Jake's been driving lately. But um, you got Jake Drew leading the points, Cole Moore in second at uh, 51 points, and Tanner Rife in third with 58. Even talking with Tanner after the race, he stayed with the hotel with us. And even he mm-hmm. said, he was, he was, there's no way he was, I can make up that 58 points in two races. He said, he yeah. was, um, 
Jake's just well. He, he's only seven know. points behind second place, so uh, not that I yeah. wish anything bad for Cole. Uh, but th- there's uh, and there's what five, uh, six points between him and the fourth place driver, Katsuzi. I told Tanner, I told him win in Vegas. You get to Phoenix, you're gonna have a big field. I go, there's gonna be a lot of points up for grabs. The more cars there are, the bigger, the more points are up for grabs. Mm-hmm. I see you're gonna have a whole lot of points. Plus, you're gonna have, a, you know, you might have an Xfinity driver or two. You might have a, uh, a truck driver or two in there. I said, mm-hmm. and I said, and I said, and Jake can get shoved all the way to the back, and you can be up front and make up those points. But I think the pivotal race is gonna be is gonna be the Vegas race to see where all these where these top three where they filter out after the race, you know, in Vegas. I think that's going to be the exactly. big thing. So, anyways, back to the point. So, you got Todd Souza in fourth. Joe East rounds out the top five. And then from there, you got Takuma Koga, <clears throat> who I really felt bad for. He got in a wreck and um, didn't, didn't end up with DNF. Um, mm, he, was running, he was running good, running strong. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Bridget Burgess also had a had – a, a horrible incident. I mean, she got she got dumped for no reason early in the race. She said it's seven points. She was pretty upset with the guy that dumped her, and I don't blame her because yeah. when he dumped her, well, her somebody ran race. into her. Yeah, that is, that's terrible. But her mom's going to race as at the bull ring, I think. I think both of them are going to be yeah. on the track. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so yeah, yeah. Sarah said she goes, I'll be at the bull ring. But she was fuming up in the spotter's dad. She mm-hmm. was yelling and screaming and she wanted to jump by the track and, and sock this guy, but either way. So then uh, and then we got Paul Paul uh um Petrostelli Jr. Mm-hmm. who also raced. He had a really good run. And then mm-hmm. ninth is Austin Versag who hasn't ran since he lost the right to Latin Lewis Latin Lewis's tenth. And he had a mm-hmm. very eventful day too. So um all in all it was uh it was a good race. I mean, when you see the replay, it's going to be long. <laughs> yeah. Well, I tried to watch this race, but the the replay that they had, they showed all of the racing that took place all day long. And this race didn't take place until, like, late at night, later at night. And uh, I'm like, it's going to take me forever to get to the race. So I just kind of had had the other races on all day. And then I had to do some things, so I never did get back to it. But I will watch. that. It is going to be tape delayed on USA, as I mentioned earlier. Uh, so I'm going to watch that tape delay race. You know, and, and actually what they did was they – there's supposed to be a modified race before this race. But because mm-hmm. of the time restraints, they want, to, they want to move the modified race back because the legend race they had before the – before this race, they had some red flags in it, and they had some accidents, you know, and it took a while to clean up, and then they had another race before that that had some mm-hmm. accidents they had to clean up. So it was, uh, it was a crazy night. It was a crazy night of racing. Good racing, though. Fast it was, was a full day of nice racing. I know that. <laughs> and it was it was nice to see the, the stands um, sold out. I posted a picture mm-hmm. of the legends when they started, and you mm-hmm. could see the stands were, were packed out. That's pretty cool. Again, the the tape delay of uh, this race out at All-American is actually uh, not this Monday, today, but a week from today, 
Monday, October the 10th at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, and that will be on USA Network. So check your local listings uh, for the correct time for your uh, time zone. But, yeah, this is its pretty cool uh, that they do have that tape delay. <laughs> and like I say, I tried to watch it, and it was just I was watching all kinds of racing all day long. Um, but uh, it's uh, interesting to see. Uh, the Arkham Menard Series winding down their season. Uh, next week, the Arkham Menard Series will close out their season and crown their champion. And the following week, uh, we'll be back at the Bull Ring in Las Vegas for the penultimate race before their season finale out at Phoenix. So, uh, pretty cool. It's been a good season. Yeah, it is. Oh, yeah, it's been a good season. Um, Jake is really confident. You know, he's got the. You know he's got the championship almost locked up, which he which he should. You know what he has to stay clean. You know mm-hmm. what and not and not have any DNFs, and uh, he should he should basically well have it locked up. But um, and then as far as the rookie of the year, uh, Tanner basically has that already wrapped up, already locked up too. Yeah. Okay. So Bob Ricotti. Well, yeah, so Sunrise Racing just might go champion and rookie of the year in the same season. Mm, very cool. Okay, yeah. we're going to move over to the uh, NASCAR Cup Series. Uh, it's time for us to talk about Matt DiBenedetto's win in the 17th annual Chevy, Chevy Silverado 250. He's 31 years old, driving the number 25 Rackley Roofing Chevrolet for owner Curtis Sutton. His crew chief this weekend was Chad Kendrick. It was his first victory in 21 Camping World Truck Series races, his first victory in seventh top ten finish this year, and his first victory in first top ten finish in one race at Talladega Super Speedway, which, by the way, it was announced that Matt Benedetto, I believe, has signed up uh, with Rackley Racing again for the 2023 season. So uh, really good news for him. Ben Rhodes posted uh, second-place finish, his second top-ten finish in seven races at Talladega. It was his 11th top-ten finish this year. Brett Holmes finished third. It was his first top-ten finish in two races at Talladega. For a minute, I think uh, Brett thought that he had won the race, uh, but it was not to be. Jack Wood (coughs) was the highest-finishing rookie. He finished in 19th place, and um, it was a... uh, uh, a review finish at the end of the race, I guess, because uh, Matt was pushed below the yellow line, which you're not supposed to do at uh, Talladega. But because he was forced below the yellow line, uh, it put Brett Holmes back in third place and uh, put uh, Matt Benedetto up as the winner. So uh, a little bit of an interesting finish there. Um it took a lot of last lap gumption at Talladega Super Speedway and the high banks, and there was an official race finish review afterward. Uh, longtime competitor Matt DiBenedetto earned that first victory in the Camping World Truck Series. Uh, let's see, the win 
when the race went into overtime, setting up a very dramatic finish. On the final lap, the lead swapped hands numerous times before a ruck broke out heading toward the finish line. The caution fell, freezing the field, and De Benedetto was pushed below the yellow line, while the number 32 of Brett Holmes rolled the high lane. It appeared Holmes narrowly beat De Benedetto to the line, but NASCAR reviewed the video at the time of the caution, declaring De Benedetto the winner. Ben Rhodes again finished in second, followed by Holmes in third. Then it was Ryan Priest, Christian Eckes, Haley Dagan, Chase Purdy, Colby Howard, Parker Kligerman, and Tyler Ankrum were the rest of the top ten. Playoff drivers that were not within that top ten include uh, Chandler Smith. He finished 14th. Zane Smith, 17th. Stuart Friesen finished 20th. John Hunter Nemechek, 24th, and Grant Infinger finished in 29th place. Uh, there was a very scary accident early in the race on lap 19, just before the end of stage one. The number three of Jordan Anderson's Chevrolet burst into flames and slammed into the inside wall. Uh, amazingly, Jordan uh, climbed from the burning car and was taken to the infield care center and later airlifted to Birmingham for treatment of second-degree burns. Um, he did put out a notice uh, saying that it's gonna, he's going to be healing, uh, but he was sent home from Birmingham, uh, and uh, I was just glad to hear that he was okay after that. Uh, it was a scary wreck. Uh, Chandler Smith won stages one and two. There were 25 lead changes among 11 drivers and nine cautions for 36 yellow flag laps. The average speed of the race was 114.286 miles per hour. And it should be noted, uh, Jordan was in the top five when his truck caught on fire. Yeah, you know, and, and some of the things that they're looking at, too, when I was when I was watching the race was they were um, – was there looking at the uh, at the replay to see where the cars were when it went yellow because everybody can always look at the at the start finish line you know but the the yellow came out before they crossed the start finish line they're trying to figure out who was in front right. because it did look like uh, like it did look like Brett Holmes you know was you know was leading the race but then after they went back and seen right when the yellow light came on that it was uh, Matt uh, yeah it was Matt De Benedetto that was in the front because. First thing they think is, oh, okay, yellow, okay, who, who crossed, who crossed first? You know, but mm-hmm. then, you know, a lot of fans forget that NASCAR goes back to when, you know, they since, since they stay. Out. Exactly, you know, you know, when the, um, you know, when the caution, you know, came out. So, uh, it was, uh. Yeah, only, only three yeah, drivers a, in the was, top ten, playoff drivers, I mean. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, we're, we're, that's. For a while, that was that was what we were looking at with the uh, with the Cup Series, you know, for when they started the chase. Mm-hmm. It seemed like only the only other drivers were the ones finishing because the Cup drivers are dropping. They're dropping like flies. I mean, Kyle Busch, two what two blown engines and and yeah, a but tire that's and, later now. We're talking about the truck race now. <laughs> no, no, I know, I know. I'm just saying it, it seems like the like the Truck Series is following the same pattern as the Cup Series. You know, with the yeah, you know, they've with, had some non-playoff winners, that's for sure. Exactly, it's good though. It's good for the sport. Mhm. I think it is. It is good. 
Okay. Everybody wants to win. No doubt. <laughs> I mean, no doubt. Everybody wants to get that win. Um, <clears throat> your thoughts about the Jordan Anderson thing that happened? Any thoughts there? Yeah, he's lucky to be alive. I mean, I understand the truck was on fire. Like they said, he probably didn't know where he was when he jumped out of the truck, but, you know, a couple seconds earlier, he, he would have jumped out and he could have gotten squashed between the wall and the truck, and that would have been the end of him with the speed that truck yeah, was Yeah, I, uh, I was amazed that he was able to get out of that car the way he did. Uh, yeah. The good Lord was definitely looking over him. I think he mentioned oh. that in his statement. Um, that was very scary. I don't know how he got out of that car, out of the window, and up onto the barrier uh, with the car crashing all at the same time. It was, it was pretty dramatic. Yeah. It was. I mean, and I watched it over and over again. I'm, I'm like, a couple seconds a couple seconds later, and he would have gotten out of the car right as it hit the barrier, and it probably would have bounced him into the fence. It could have bounced him back on the truck, or it could have bounced him so hard he could have he did himself real bad, but he, I, don't, I don't know how he he was like a like a fly and bounced mm. and got on the barrier and out of the way because that yeah. that could have been you know like I said a, a one or two seconds earlier he, he could have got stuck between the barrier and the truck and then it was it was squashing mm. to death. Yeah, it looked <clears> like uh, he was getting out of the window, and when the car hit, it bumped him up on top of the barrier. But yeah, it was it was scary, uh, and I'm just so thankful that he's okay after all of that. I know he's got some healing to take place, uh, but the doctors have all said that he will heal, and uh, hopefully he'll be back to racing again. But uh, very very scary incident there. Um, there were some other drivers that had uh, some incidents. Jordan Anderson ended up finishing 36 because of his accident. Brian Dozat had uh, a damaged vehicle policy finish at the 35th spot. That was on lap 32. Uh, there was also an accident involving Dean Thompson and Lawless Allen on lap 32. Then Jennifer Jo Gobb had a clutch issue on lap uh, 73. Uh, another accident on lap 78 took out Austin Wayne Self and Tanner Gray. And uh, uh, there was, what here, about uh, four or five drivers that finished a lap down, starting with Corey Heim, Blaine Perkins, Carson Hosevar, and Grant Infinger all finished a lap uh, down. So <clears throat> an interesting race <laughs> because uh, some of the people we mentioned in that group were uh, playoff drivers, and uh, they had – they had, uh, like you said, a, a race of attrition. Yeah, it was it was pretty wild. Um, but you know what else? What else do you expect from from Talladega? You know, it never. I guess you could say the track never disappoints. <laughs> well, yeah, we never know what what's going to happen at Talladega. It's, it's the wild card race for sure. Uh, let's hit the point standings. Okay, so the points, um, driver, driver points after Talladega is um, Ty Majeski's already in the next round. He has that one win. And then from there, then we go down to Chandler Smith. 
Um, third is Jane Smith. <clears throat> no relation, by the way. Right. Um, next down is next down is Tamajewski. And then they got Chandler well, Smith again. Yeah, I don't know why know. they did that. And they got Dave Smith again. Yeah, actually, so it just goes. Yeah, those top three are listed twice. So yeah. yeah. And so anything, so it's, 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 it's yeah, it should be Tyler Jeske, Chandler Smith, Dane Smith, and then it should be Ben Rhodes. And then, right, they're um, on top of the cut below the, Yeah, then below the cut line, it's Stuart Friesen, who's only three points out from Ben Rhodes. Uh, Christian Eckes, who's also three points, so him and it's Friesen are tied. And you got John Hunter Nemechek is five points out, and Grant Enfinger, who is in a must-win situation. Yeah. It's in a, at the bottom of that. So yeah, basically, Grant Enfinger's in a, in a he's in he's in a muscle situation. John Hunter, Christian Eckes, and Stuart Friesen can still get in. Could still get in yeah. on, on point. Or, or win. Right, a win always or does win. it. Oh yeah. <laughs> okay, uh, I wanted to get to the schedule here. Here we go. Uh, because I believe at the Charlotte Roval, let's go to the Truck Series. I I think that the uh, cutoff race for the Truck Series is a little bit different than it is for the uh, other two series. They are in the round of eight right now. Uh, Matt Benedetto, yes, their next race will be their cutoff race, but it will be at Homestead Miami Speedway on October the 22nd. So that will be the elimination race that will determine who are the final four drivers that will compete for the championship on November 4th out of Phoenix. So um, the truck series uh, will have to wait a little bit before they get to their uh, cutoff race. Exactly. So it's going to be exciting. I mean, we still got some excited racing from this series that that never, so far this season, has never disappointed. Yeah, it's been a pretty exciting season um, overall. It's always uh, interesting to see how it all plays out, and uh, this season uh, has been no exception. <clears throat> Uh, but let's go ahead and move over to our Xfinity series, Sal, so okay. that we've got time to do a setup for our guest. Okay, for the Xfinity series, it's the third annual Sparks 300 out at Talladega Super Speedway. A.J. Allmendinger, at the age of 40, uh, was a playoff winner uh, this weekend, driving the number 16 Action Industries Chevrolet for Matt Collig, and his crew chief was Bruce Schlicker. Uh, it was his 14th victory in 88 Xfinity Series races, his fourth victory in 25th top 10 finish this year, and his first victory in fourth top 10 finish in six races at Talladega Super Speedway. He was really pumped and excited for that win. Sam Mayer finished second, posting his first top 10 finish in three races at Talladega, and his 16th top 10 finish this year. Landon Castle finished third, posting his fourth top 10 finish 
in eight races at Talladega Super Speedway. Sheldon Creed was the highest finishing rookie, and he finished in 12th place. Um, so, again, A.J. Allmendinger uh, made a last lap pass in order to win that Xfinity Series race. Uh, three times he's led uh, while the, on the white flag lap on a super speedway track and was not able to lead the next lap in order to earn the trophy. But that all changed on Saturday when the veteran waited and pulled ahead of the field on the final, in the final feet coming to the checkered 300 checkered flag, to the Sparks 300 checkered flag. Um, he edged 19-year-old Sam Mayer by point fifteen one thousandths of a second, about three feet in the photo finish during his first Xfinity Series win at NASCAR's biggest tra- track. Um, <clears throat> A.J. Allmendinger made the move to the outside of Sam Mayer to earn the victory for his fourth win of the season and his first ever triumph on the super speedway. Mayer finished uh, second, tying his best career finish, and Landon Castle placed third, while Ryan Sieg and Josh Berry round out the top five. In his lone start for big machine racing this year, Parker Kligerman crossed the finish line in sixth place, followed by Ty Gibbs, Daniel Hemrick, Brandon Jones, Noah Gregson filling out the top ten. Austin Hill led a race-high 60 laps and swept two stages, he ended the race in 14th place. There were 20 lead changes among 12 drivers and three cautions for 11 yellow flag laps. The average speed of the race, 158.827 miles per hour. Your thoughts about the top 10 finishers, Sal? Yeah, you know, you gotta, you still got to go look at Ryan Segan, the season he's having. Oh, I know. Even, even with a race like this. You know, I mean, to get that that top five finish, um, you know, it's deal. amazing. You know, yeah, he's still he's still holding tight. You know, you get guys like, okay, Noah Gregson who finished 10th. You know, he's up and down, has an up and down season. I'm sure he's got all the wins. He has a four in a row, but I don't, I don't think anybody's more been more consistent this season, this season than Ryan Sieg did to keep himself in the running, especially for the yep. team. You know, you Every year it seems itself. like he gets a little bit better and a little bit better, so it's really cool to exactly. watch. Exactly, you know. Yeah, and like I said, you know, you got to look at the team. You know, I mean, Noah's in mm-hmm. in top top tier equipment. You know, he's in JR Motorsports. You know, you ain't gonna get no better than that. And Ryan Sieg is in a, just a mediocre equipment. Again, and done. You kind of wonder if if they gave him good equipment. You know, like a a JGR car, a JRM car, and, you know, how good he would do, you know. Um, but mm-hmm. once again, you know, AJ, congratulations to AJ Allmendinger on the win. It's been long overdue, and, um, you know, for him to finally get the win, you know, he's, I mean, it's like he finally got that that monkey off of his shoulder. You know, that he black cloud was following him, you know, around the super speedways. <laughs> you know, he finally, finally was able to, you know, to conquer it which is good because now he's got some momentum going into, you know, the, you know, into the closing of the season. Yes, he does. Uh, several drivers finished laps down, but believe it or not, 
nobody was out because of an accident or a mechanical failure in this Xfinity Series race. That doesn't happen very often, so. Yeah, you know, uh, I know I was, I was surprised when I was, when I was just looking at the stat sheet right now, you know, and everybody, everybody was running. Mm-hmm. You know, so whether they're, whether they're a bunch of laps down, a few laps down, but, you know, to not see, you know, no accidents, you know what, that's uh, amazing, exactly. especially for this track. Yeah, there are some drivers that finish laps down, but everybody finished running, and I think that's fantastic. Uh, and, and I really appreciate that, especially at a track like Talladega. That's not an easy feat to accomplish. You know, and when you look, you had 22 cars finished all on the lead lap at a, at a plate track. It's un, you know, it's unheard of. You know, Joe Graff Jr. was the last one. Mm-hmm. Oh, Derek Griffith was. It was Derek Griffith who was 23rd. So we had 23 cars on the lead lap. Yep, you're right. You know, lead lap yeah, cars. So you know, and uh, that was oh, that was over half the field. I that know that's amazing. That's a yeah, it's unheard of. You just don't hear, you know, plate tracks that are, that are dead that are that generous, whether it's the trucks, Xfinity, or Cup. Exactly. It just doesn't happen. Uh, let's go ahead and cover the uh, points report here for the Xfinity series. Uh, and uh, if they've got it, yeah, at the playoff points after Talladega. Okay, the way the playoff points look is we already know that A.J. Allmendinger and Noah Gregson are both in with their wins, but they're both tied also with points at 21, 21, 34 points, so they're tied. And then from there, then we go down to Ty Gibbs, Austin Hill, Josh Berry, Justin Allgaier, Sam Mayer, and Ryan Seagrown off the top eight. And below the cut line is uh, Daniel Hamrick, who's six points below the cut line. Riley Hurts is 10 points below the cut line. Brandon Jones is 10, and Jeremy Clements is basically in a must-win situation, being 47 points below the cut line. Exactly. Now, these guys, the Xfinity Series, their next race is on the Roval next weekend. And um, for them, let's see here, that is going to be the elimination race. So that will determine who those four drivers will have just that one last chance uh, to improve their situation to get in. And as you mentioned, uh, the driver at the very bottom there has to get that win to get in. Yeah, and I mean, and you also got to take into account that um, 25 points was taken from uh, was taken from Ty Gibbs oh. because of that incident that it had. So, but mm-hmm. either way, it doesn't matter because he he's still he's still enough in the good. He's still high enough in the good, you know, to where, you know, he doesn't really have, you know, much to worry about, you know, as far as Daniel Hamrick, you know, you know, taking a spot, of course, unless, unless, and it, it, and it can't happen unless you have all the bottom drivers win, you know, but, mm-hmm. um, Ty Gibbs, Ty Gibbs basically, yeah, Ty Gibbs basically locked, Ty Gibbs and Austin Hill are basically locked into the next, basically locked, locked into the next round. So it will still be interesting because with Ryan Sieg being just six points above, uh, there's uh, basically four drivers between Ryan Sieg, Daniel Hemrick, Riley Earps, and Brandon Jones that could gain or lose uh, the points that will put them above or below that cut line. 
you could put Sam Mayer in that category as well. Yeah, I mean, yeah, he's, you're right, Sharon. He's playing close enough. He's only 12 points. He's only 12 points to the good. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, yeah, you're right on that. He's only 12 points. So it's going to be interesting to see how they do with the role, you know, and see how they see how everything pans out, you know. Um, you know, you, you still got, even though Noah and AJ have wins already locked in, you know, they're, they're still they're still fighting for wins, too. Ty Gibbs, you know, same thing. Mm-hmm. He, wants, he wants to go in on. He wants, all, all of them, they all, want, they all want to win. It's going to be interesting. Um, exactly. You know, and then, you know, who do you, who would who would be a, a early race favorite to win it? Well, you know. Ty Gibbs is good on the road courses. He's won on uh, the road course at Daytona before. Um, <clears throat> but, you know, it's, it's again, one of those things that I think uh, all of these drivers have the ability to do it. Who's your early race Yes, favorite? they do. I don't know. It's hard to say. I, I you know... It, it seems like it seems like Ty is kind of losing a little bit of of energy, but I, you know, I I think uh, I, I I think he has a good I think he's got a good a good shot at winning at winning the oval. Um, Noah Gregson is another one that's pretty good, you know. At, mm-hmm. at, uh, you know, he's been on quite a You know what? Yeah, and he's he's real aggressive. So I mean, how aggressive he'll get. Or, or put it this way: How aggressive everyone's going to get against him because this is the this is a good shot, even though he's already in the playoffs. Because you mm-hmm. know it's a good you know time you know to get back at him, you know, give him that DNF that you know all these other drivers you know so badly want to give him. So, um, I'm curious on on who the other uh, on who the other um, drivers are that have uh, Sheldon Creed's another one. You can't count on Sheldon Creed. He's pretty good at the. True. He's shown a lot of, you know. But Sheldon Creed's not in the that. playoffs. Yeah, but I, I, I thought you were talking about a race win. Well, that's true. He could still win the race. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah. Yeah, no, as far as a, as far as a race win, yeah. He could be but a But as far as staying in the. Yeah. Honestly, it's going to be hard to see who's going to get, you know, who's going to be, you know, close to elimination. Um, Sam Mayer is, you know, another good one, you know, another good pick. Mm-hmm. He came all so close this week. Yeah, it's going to, it's going to be, it's going to be rough to see who's going to be the, uh. We'll find out out at, uh, the Charlotte Roval uh, this weekend. Uh, Sal, let's go ahead and do a lead up into your, uh, guest that's coming up. He was, uh, a winner this weekend, I understand. Yeah, he went to uh, up to Stockton. Stockton had their uh, they had done this last year too, where they had the they had the one off um, pro they had their one off pro late model race, and they you know it was a you know it was a big money race. So this year they did the same thing. They got some sponsors that you know that put up the fifteen thousand to win for first place, and um, uh, so our next guest. Dylan, you know, he'll talk about the win, how he got the win. Um, I know from what I heard from some of the people that were up there, you know, it said that uh, I guess he got 
he got dumped by Seth. Him and Seth were racing, and Seth dumped him. So, so they sent Seth Weiss back, and, and I'm not sure if they gave Dylan his spot back or how that worked. But anyways, they said it was it was a really good a really good race to the end, and um, and it it was nice to see the redemption because two weeks ago at Irondale, him and Dean Thompson had been battling all race. And Dean took it upon himself on the last lap to put a bumper to Dylan and spin him out. I know that came under a lot of controversy. A lot of people talked about, you know, that what Dean did was okay. Um, of course, the Zampa camp said it wasn't okay. Uh, for what I see, in my own opinion, I don't think it was okay. Um, there, we have a rule, and a lot of people don't realize that you don't spin the you don't spin the um, Ricky Brooks brought in on a lot of the tracks followed. You don't spin the leader with one or two laps to go. That's just not you race them for the way. And mm-hmm. if you touch the leader and you spin them, you automatically go to the back. Well, Dean wasn't too happy about it. He went to the back, and then when he came off the track, he said there was oil on the track, and and you know. But um, bottom line is, is that you know he got it. He got it. Doesn't matter whose fault it was. Dean got into the into the race leader. And Ricky Brooks penalized and sent him to the back. Nick mm-hmm. Joe Nitis came around, came around to the top, watching what was going on, and he he just kind of like Nick said, he goes, "I just bided my time and was, and was going to see if these guys were going to wreck each other." And sure enough, they did. He said, "So when 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 Dylan went spinning, Nick came around, you know, and um, you know they DQ, they red flagged um, uh, Dean right away, and, and Nick ended up with the win." Okay. Well, your guest is here now, so why don't you go ahead and get started with the interview, and uh, I'll listen in. Uh, but I need you to be done by a quarter to, so. Okay. So our our next guest is Dylan Zampa. Um, Dylan's been on the on the show before, you know, after after a race win. We've also had him, you know, come on when it, when we're talking about the the um, Alan Kowicki developmental program, which he's a part of again this year, and. Um, I'll tell you, he's a really, really exciting driver to watch. Um, this weekend, he picked up a big win at Stockton, which is a, which is a tough track. It's a tough little track, and um, you know, we just want to say, first of all, congratulations, Dylan, on the win. From what I've heard, it was a, it was a heck of a show out there, and you guys put on a great show for the fans. But the main thing is, you know, as you came out with the win, and you know, and and another step towards hopefully, you know, winning that. That uh, Alan Koike developmental program, you know, being the champion this year. With that, welcome to the show. Hi, th- thank you for having me. So, so kind of, kind of tell us a little bit about what, what, how, how the race went in Stockton. Yeah, so uh, we qualified a uh, quick time, uh, and then I pulled a four invert for the race, so I started fourth. And uh, I got to third pretty quick and just sat there. And we we went green for 40 laps, and they threw a caution for they had this rule where if you go 40 laps consecutive green, uh, they'll throw a caution. So they grouped us all back up, and uh, I made I went into turn one a little too hard and got into Blaine, spun him around. So I had to go to the back from from that point and uh, just kind of rode in the middle pack till the halfway break and then made an adjustment and um uh we 
we got to third by with like 35 to go, I think. And then Seth Wise and Romero got into it, so they they both went to the back. So I inherited the lead, and uh, from there we just we led every other we led the last couple laps and came out with the win. So what's it like winning in front of your home crowd? I'll also see in the in the, um, in the Victor Lane picture that your brother Logan was was down for because I don't um, uh, for those that don't know Logan, his brother also races is in the uh, Pro League division. But he decided to opt out and go to school and play rugby this year. But I seen him down there with you guys, and you know, for this race. Yeah. So uh, ever since he went to school, he's actually only missed one race, which was the Irwindale race. So um, you know, it, it's always good to have him at the racetrack. He's he's always great help uh, when he if he's not racing, he's always working on the car. So um, you know, uh, winning in his car definitely showed that his car is a winning car every everywhere we went so far this year. So we've been to Madeira in his car and we've had the winning car there and had some had some issues, had some run ins there and uh we had a winning car at Irwindale and got taken out there. So uh to finally get that win uh in his car definitely I think in his eyes knows that when he comes back to come back to race in the summertime, uh he knows that he has a winning car. So um just, just happy for happy for my team. You know, they busted their butt all weekend. Uh, we struggled a little bit on Friday, but um, you know, I, I knew that uh, my team and my dad, uh, you know, they can get the car dialed in, and they definitely got it dialed in for Saturday. Uh, we were quick time in practice, quick time in qualifying, and then uh, won the race. So uh, I would consider that a clean sweep of the weekend. So, you know, um, you know, my sponsors, they're they're a big part uh, for allowing me to race it this many races this year we're on race 21 or something like that this year so uh it's a lot of races but uh, i'm just super thankful for the Kawiki driver development program and tom roberts and all the board members for giving me another opportunity to run for the program for a second year so um uh, we're, we're just trying to go above and beyond with the community service work this year and i feel like um i feel like it's been a big help to me as a driver and a person and also to all the communities that I've helped this year. So just super thankful for everyone to help. Yeah, you know, it, it's been neat, you know, you know, to follow you, you know, you know follow you on social media, you know, and, and see, you know, go from, you know, city to city, you know, helping out, you know, with the, you know, using the program, you know, as a, as a backbone, you know, the, the raffles you have, you know, that, you know, the, you know, to, you know, give the fans a chance to win some money for the same run. You know what, the money also goes to, you know, to whatever, whatever, um, whatever organization you're, you're helping, you know, with that week, plus you take the time out during the week, you know, whenever you have a chance, you know, go help them out, you know, whether it be a food bank or, you know, whether it be go to the Ronald McDonald house, you know, and take, you know, supplies there. And it's really neat, you know, to see, you know, what the, you know, what the program, what the program is, how do you say the program started you, but, but what you continue to do, because I know even during the off season, when you weren't part of the program, you were still out there, you know, giving back to the community, which is really neat because you don't see that too often these days. Yeah, yeah. Um, when we when the off season came, um, and we were just you know the off season, you know all all the race car driver people, you know they're they're at home twenty four seven working on their their cars, getting ready for the big show, the All Star Showdown. So, um, you know, when my dad was at work and I was at home working on the race car, I'd you know I'd go take a an hour or two hours and I'd go down to my food bank and just, you know, 
sort some sort some food or um, pack some boxes for the elder home or even just go there and you know help clean up a little bit you know just just anything that just anything to help the food bank was um just my my thought process so um uh i definitely love i love doing the community service work uh, it's definitely fun it's it's awesome to see the the faces that i light up um you know uh it it just feels it, it's honestly one of the best feelings ever is, um taking going like taking like the junior drivers at Madera Speedway i took a couple of them to the Ronald McDonald house and yeah, and they all seem to love it. So um, uh, I'm going back to Madera for the 10K to win race, uh, not this coming weekend, but next one, the 15th. So uh, my plan is to try to get as many junior drivers as I, as I can and uh, try to go to the Ronald McDonald House with a whole bunch of junior drivers. Wow, that's pretty awesome. So let's let's talk a little bit about what happened at Urdell. I know it was a, it was a race, you know, you know that you know one of the one of our uh, Catmull Truck Series drivers. It was his home track. It was kind of a I don't know. They try to build it up as a homecoming type of thing. Since when he left, he was a track champion. You know, and at both of you, you guys had you know some good. It was a really good battle, but but then in the end, he he I think in my opinion, I know it's gone back and forth, but I think he overstepped the boundaries when he. Um, you know, especially with you know with the one lap to go, and, and SRL does have that rule. If you if you spin the the leader, don't matter how it's done, who caused it or what, you know what, you automatically go to the back. And, and I think that was kind of a you know I think you should have taken more into consideration. You know, on what you had, you know, you know what 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 your goal was with this series, being a full time driver, you know, and and you know where you're where you're trying to get with it. Yeah, yeah, um, you know, I mean, that was probably that. I mean, it was a good call on that on the the SRL series. Uh, they definitely um, made the right call for uh, putting them to the back. Um, you know, the their rule is if the white flag's out, um, you know, if the blo- if the track is blocked, then the yellow checker will come out. So uh, I knew that when the white flag dropped, and then uh, I saw the white flag coming off of turn four. And I was already getting picked up off of turn four, and I was I was getting pushed down the whole straightaway. So there was really kind of nothing there was nothing I could really have done different, um, you know. But um, yeah, I mean it was a good battle. Um, you know, it's his home track, so he kind of knew what to do. He was doing a great job at holding me down uh, on the bottom and not allowing me to use the track up. So he did a great job on his part. But um, you know, there was there was no need to uh, hit each there was no need to hit me that many times. Uh, you know, they, they showed a, they showed a replay like the day after and, uh, it blew up on social media. It, ha- it has like, uh, like almost 3000 likes or something like that. So it blew up, you know, everyone saw it, but, um, when you watch the video, you know, you can see we're hard racing. Um, we're both using the track up. So, I mean, there's nothing different you could have done there, but the amount of times that I got hit before I tapped him back, um, was just outrageous to me. Um, when I counted it, it was like six times before I got back and hit him and moved him out of the way. But, um, you know, it, it's good hard racing. Uh, the fans, the fans love watching that type of racing. And, you know, when us pro late drivers go to the big tracks, um, you don't really expect to see that, you know, that's like you, what you see on the short tracks. So, um, you know, when we go to Kern, it's, it's usually a follow the leader. You don't see racing like that. So, 
Uh, Irwindale is always a great track to race at, even on the uh, little track on the inside. Uh, it, that track's hard. That's that you got to be a really good driver. You got to be uh, consistent on your line, on your throttle, on your braking. So uh, on the big track, you just got to have a, a really good. You have to have a really really good setup to be competitive on the half mile. So if your car can turn really good on the top and bottom, you're going to be a, a contender to win the race. So, um, you know, for the Irwindale race, it was a bummer leading that many laps and then getting taken out. But, um, you know, we, we rebounded, uh, got our head straight and went to the Stockton race with a good mindset. And uh, we came out with the win there. So uh, super happy that we were able to get the win there. Uh, bum that I wasn't able to get the win at Irwindale, but uh when we go back there in November, uh, definitely, I'm looking for a win there again. So, 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 how how do you rebound back from you know from a race like that? You know, like you said, you know, it was, you know, it was once once he spun you, you know, if there was nothing you could do. You know, they they came around, they took the checker flag, and you know, and the night was over. So, how how, how do you rebound that? You know, especially to get ready for a track like Stockton, where where you know racing is going to be a lot more there's going to be a lot more bumping there's going to be a lot more I, I don't know I guess you could say aggression because it's such a short track and not only that but Stockton also has that it's got that reputation you know, as a track you know that you know that you know there's going to be a lot of carnage yeah so um, this year um, this year our motto is in uh, PMA which is positive mental attitude so um, I read that in Alan Kowicki's book that uh, my buddy Jeremy Doss loaned me. So, um, you know, uh, we've kind of just been doing that the whole year. And uh, after a race, you know, you, you come back, we come back home and uh, we just, for me to clear my mind, uh, either it be, uh, you know, going to my food bank and, and spending a couple hours there and just, just clearing my mind there, or it could be, um going going golfing with my with my buddies from school so it could be that or uh, playing some eye racing or just just some stuff that you know teenagers do um just some stuff like that go go hang out with my buddies uh go bowling some just some some stuff like that is what i do so um that's what i do to clear my mind uh, i don't know what my dad does uh, i'd have to ask him that's probably a good idea to do but um that's what i do to clear my mind after a race. I'll tell you, he was pretty upset. I was I was following him over to the car, and I and I thought I was going to see a an arm magically connect on Dean, and then all of a sudden he just went up there and he clapped at him and walked away. You know, and and I thought, man, Joey, I said that's you know, for the way you felt, you know, and for the way he handled it, that was that was um, I I I really. I really like to see that, you know, I mean, I know, you know, it could be taken care of in the pits, you know, whatever, but, you know, you know, when your dad, I know it took a lot of, a lot of self-control, so not just want to put your fist through, you know, through the net, you know, and hit the kid, but, you know, all in all, you know what, like you said, you know, you guys did put on a good show for the fans, and, um, you know, you bounced back, you got the win this weekend, you know, which was a big win, not only for the, you know, for the Kowicki Development Program, but also for the points, you know, going in, you know, to, into our last, uh, into our last two races of the season. Yeah. So, um, yeah, at, at Irwindale, I didn't even know uh, my, a couple of my crew members went up to his car. Um, I didn't even know that happened until I went back and watched the race. 
But uh, yeah, you know, um, he he's not like that in any way. He's he's not the guy to go to go you know throw punches. Um, so I, I when I saw it, I knew I knew exactly what he was going to do. He was going to go you know say a couple words to him, and um, so I, I know I know that my dad won't won't punch someone for taking us out. So um, you know that that's you know he showed me. Uh, you know what to do to ha- how to handle a situation and Dean tried to, I guess Dean tried to come find me in the pit but um, uh, come to find out it was actually his spotter that tried to come find me not Dean so uh, I wasn't too happy about that that he didn't come down to apologize and um, you know he he tried to apologize on social media but it wasn't sincere at all, you know. He he tried to say we were both hard racing, but in the video you can clearly see me getting getting punted around the track a couple times before I moved him. So, um, you know, uh, if I ever race against him again, you know, uh, you know, I just hope that he learned his lesson that that he doesn't need to hit me that many times. So, um, you know, I I've, I've raced with him before and I've got. That was actually not the first time I've got taken out by him. So uh, last year I actually got taken out by him at Roseville. But uh, at Roseville for the NASCAR rules, you know, there's the protect the leader rule, so you get your lead back. So um, uh, I knew at Rowendale I wasn't going to get my lead back. I knew the caution wasn't going to come out. So I kind of knew the race was over. So that wasn't my first running with, with Dean. But, um, you know, uh, I you know I always look forward. I don't look in the past. So if I ever race against him again, you know, it's – I'm just going to, you know, I always forget about what happened and I always just think about what, what to do uh, in the next race. Well, that's a good attitude to have, you know, it's really good, you know, especially, you know, for, you know, for the younger drivers coming up, you know, to pick up those attributes, you know, and, and uh, you know, and I, I know it's not, I know it's not easy, especially in the heat of the moment, but, you know, Dylan, this season, you know, you've, you've shown a lot of poise, you know, you've shown a lot of professionalism in all the tracks you've gone to. Um, you know, you show you have a heart for the communities that you go to, you know, with the, you know, with what you're doing with the, um, with the, you know, with the helping the food banks and Ronald McDonald houses, doing the routes and stuff like that. You know, it's really neat to see it all, you know. And once again, I, I just want to congratulate you again for the, you know, on the win this past week. And I wish you could have been there, but I wasn't. And um, if there's any shout-outs you want to give to, Team members or sponsors or anything. Now's a, now's the time to uh, to do it. Yeah, you know, uh, I'd, I'd obviously like to first off start by by thanking you and and everyone to do this show. Um, once again, thanks for having me on. Uh, but yeah, I'd like to thank uh, my mom and my dad. Uh, they're my they're my two uh, number one supporters. So um, couldn't do without them. Um, Valley Fabrication, uh, Anderson Logging, Sierra Speed Technology. PFC brakes, uh, KRC power steering, um, Swift Springs, uh, Helm Metal Fab, and um, uh, Nitro Racing as well. Well, Dylan, this is this is um, our segment's over with. So you know, what? I just want to say once again, congratulations. Um, good luck in your up, in your upcoming races. I know I'll see you at Kern, and I'll see you at uh, and I'll see you at um, oh, back over here at home track at Orindale. It's always it's always it's always neat to have you on the show and you know hear perspective. It's neat it's neat to hear like I said, you know, the enthusiasm, the enthusiasm away from the away from the racing part, you know, which is giving back to the communities, you know, which I think is, is ultra important and it's good and I like the way Tom Roberts 
you know, kind of runs the quickie developmental thing. So with that, we want to say good night. Thanks again, and congratulations, and we'll talk to you um, hopefully pretty soon here when you get another race win. Appreciate it. Thank you for having me on. Okay. All right. Good night. Sharon? Yeah, that was a great interview. I enjoyed, uh, always enjoy having Dylan on the show. And uh, I really like uh, the feature about uh, what he's doing with the uh, food banks and how he kind of decompresses after a race uh, and moves on and gets ready for the next race. Uh, That was all great information. And uh, uh, I'll look forward to uh, having him back on again. Yeah, I could do it. I can't even do it now. I mean, when I get mad at another photographer, that's it. They're done. I don't talk to them. They come by me, and I just tell them, you know what, you got like three seconds to walk away from here. It's not going to be pretty. I mean, I don't know how these drivers do it because I, I could not get behind the wheel of a car and continue on. But either way, I know, I know we need to continue on. Yeah, yeah. We've got to, we still have to do our <laughs> uh, race review for the uh, Cup Series at Talladega Super Speedway. Uh, the race winner was Chase Elliott at the age of 26, driving the number nine Napa Auto Parts Chevrolet for Rick Hendrick, when his crew chief, Alan Gustafson, it was his 18th victory in 252 Cup Series races, his fifth victory and 19th top ten finish this year, and the second victory and seventh top ten finish in 14 races at Talladega. Ryan Blaney came all so close again. Uh, he finished second, posting a sixth top ten finish in 17 races at Talladega and his 15th top ten finish this year. Michael McDowell finished third, uh, posting his fourth top ten finish in 24 races at Talladega. And then Todd Gilliland finished seventh. He was the highest finishing rookie of the race. He's had some good top ten finishes, uh, Todd Gilliland, so uh, it's really cool to see him. Uh, doing as well as he is. <clears throat> now, Chase Elliott grabs uh, that win in a thrilling uh, victory. He's the first playoff winner to actually win uh, in the uh, Cup Series. Uh, so he's, and you could tell he's the unquestionable fan favorite at Talladega Super Speedway. Uh, Chase Elliott made a last lap series Yellowwood 500 victory on Sunday afternoon, having to better one of his best friends, Ryan Blaney, uh, to earn the first automatic bid into the next round for the playoffs. With a lap to go, Elliott pulled his number nine Hendrick Motorsports Chevrolet from the bottom lane to the top lane, uh, and he had to be pretty quick to do that. He got a huge push from behind by Petty GMS Racing driver Eric Jones, and that momentum was enough to edge fellow playoff competitor Blaney by a slight .046 of a second at the line to give him a chance to hoist his series-best fifth trophy of the season and the 18th of his seven-year Cup Series career. Uh, the win, again, was the fifth of the year, the second at Talladega, and 18th of his career. Blaney finished in second, followed by McDowell. Then it was Chastain, Hamlin, Jones, Gilliland, Soares, Sendrick, and Briscoe rounding out the top ten. Elliott took the lead on that final lap uh, to lock himself into the round of eight playoffs. The pole winner, Christopher Bell, recovered from an early spin coming onto pit road 
and a pass-through penalty to finish 17th. Alex Bowman did not race because of the concussion. He was replaced by Noah Gregson, who was involved in an accident on lap 24, but continued on and finished 19th. Excuse me. Stage 1 was won by Ryan Blaney. Stage 2 by Chase Elliott. There were 57 lead changes among 17 drivers and six cautions for 25 yellow flag laps. The average speed of the race was 153.569 miles per hour. Your thoughts about uh, the top 10 race results? Yeah, it was, uh, I I missed the ending of it. I, I was rewatching it because we were, um, oh, I, I flew in on Sunday from, from Roseville. Oh. So I try to watch the, the ending up, but I, today after work I just couldn't catch it. But there was uh, a close I watched. Finish. I watched him and Ryan Blaney, you know, going at it, and you know, gosh, you know, Ryan Blaney is just he's, you know, you almost have to throw him in there as one of the favorites to win this this whole thing. Him and him and Chastain. Yeah. I know Chastain. Yeah, it was, could be reminiscent of Matt Kenseth, uh where. Perhaps he wins the championship without having won a race, because when it gets to yeah. Talladega, I mean, when it gets to Phoenix, uh, it's whoever has the best finish. And Ryan Blaney's been tough in that regard. He has him and him, and even even Chastain, but I, but I, I, I think Chastain is in Noah Gregson's shoes right now. I think if Chastain gets close to winning <laughs> the championship, I think, I think you're going to have and same thing with Hamlin. Yeah, I think I think you know if Hamlin gets close to winning, I think you're going to have ten or fifteen cars that aren't even in, in the chase that have nothing to lose, and they're mm-hmm. just going to they're just going to take them they're just going to take them out. You know, they need one of them. I know a lot of people want to put a shoe in Hamlin's mouth for all the whining he does, and <laughs> and, um, and Chastain, I, I he he brings a whole new a whole new dynamic to the sport. I like Chastain. I like you know, Chastain too. I mean, he's rough, but you know what? That's part of racing. You know, but yeah, I understand. Times it can be a little bit too rough, but you know what? That's just his desire to win, and and he'll win at no well, at no cost. Well, and he's trying to know, tweet so. that too. It's, it doesn't cross the line. He knows he's an aggressive yeah. driver, uh, and I, I think he has been trying to tweak himself a little bit uh, to be a little uh, less. I don't want to say less aggressive because Ross is an aggressive driver, but uh, to to not take people out uh, when he when he does those nudges. Um, but yeah, I thought uh, it was an interesting top ten, and uh, it's going to be interesting to see what happens at the road course next week because that's going to be their elimination race as well. Yeah, there's going to be. Um... There's going to be some, how do they say it? There's going to be some hurt feelings yep. coming out of that place. And like I, I said, this, so. this will be, this will be one of the places that, you know, if you want to, if you want to get the revenge, you know, you get it here because you know what, you're, it's not an oval and, and, and what, and what are they going to, what's NASCAR going to say? You know, Hey, you know what it was, it was what the drivers always say, it was a racing incident. Mm-hmm. You know, I didn't mean to take them out. It was a racing incident. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm, I'm sure there's going to be a lot of, a lot of drivers spinning and hitting the barriers. So, you know, trying to trying to knock them out of the, you know, out of the playoffs. So, um, 
it's gonna it's gonna be interesting once once we get past the once we get past the roll. That's true. It, it is going to be interesting, and uh, uh, the at past the Roval, the three races are Homestead, Miami, which is going to be the elimination race for the Truck Series, and then Martinsville. Well, Las Vegas Motor Speedway first, then Homestead, yeah. then Martinsville will be the elimination race uh, before the Championship Four race at Phoenix on November the sixth. So. Uh, uh, definitely looking forward to our trip. We're driving out there. Uh, we're not going to fly. We're going to we're going to make it the drive because we've got some places we want to stop along the way. So I'm looking forward to getting out there to Las Vegas Motor Speedway. Well, that's going to be neat, you know, to get out there and uh, you know make the drive. You know, see some of the country. You know, during the uh, when you're on the plane, you don't see much. It goes by you so quick. So I mean. One of these days, I always said the same thing. I want to drive out to the Snowball Derby instead of flying. But then when it gets closer, I think about that all that time in the car, and I said, you know what, uh, <laughs> I'll take the four-hour flight, <laughs> five-hour flight. Yeah, well, we've got a couple. We're making a vacation out of it. We've got a couple stops. I'll be doing the uh, radio show from probably the hotel room uh, a couple of times coming and going. But uh, uh, we're definitely looking forward to getting out there. That's good. It'll be it'll be good to see you know see you out there you know on on Friday night, Friday yes. after you know Friday and Friday night for know. the Arca race. Yeah, for the Arca race. And then when I fly back home Saturday morning, I got a friend who's having a birth. We're 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 putting together a little birthday get together with me and my wife. Right. So, uh, if not, if not, I'd probably just stay out there. But um, yeah, yeah we're gonna do a little birthday thing. So. Well, that'll be fun. That'll be fun. So I know you'll look forward to that. Before we run out of time, though, let's uh, cover the points here. Got a cup series. Okay, so so the point is Chase Elliott is already locked in. He's already locked into the round of eight. And then second is Ryan Blaney. Third is Ross Chastain. Fourth is Danny Hamlin. And Joey Logano is sitting in fifth. Uh, Kyle Larson in sixth. Daniel Suarez in seventh. And Austin Cedric is sitting on the bubble. And had William Byron not not suffered that twenty five point uh twenty five point penalty, Brian yeah, Brian Blaney would be sitting up um just right above Daniel Suarez right now. He'd be at, he'd be at uh let's see, thirteen five six. He'd be at thirty thirty eight three, which would be two points above Daniel Suarez. Mm-hmm. But that's not to be And now he's below so, the line. Yeah, he's 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 eleven points to the bad. But Austin Cedric and Chase Briscoe, who's below the line, they're both tied in points. But because of the finishes, Austin Cedric, they gave Austin Cedric the nod in front of uh, Chase Briscoe as far as yeah, as far as the tiebreaker. And then you got William Byron, Christopher Bell's thirty three points out, which he's in a must win situation, and so is Alex Bowman. At minus 54, who missed this race because of a concussion, Noah Gregson took over. But even even if even if Noah would have had a better finish, it still wouldn't have helped Alex Bowman. He was still in that. Right. It would help the owner points, but that. not the driver points. Yeah, he would still be in that must-win situation. So um, right. it's going to be interesting. Any any early um, any early uh, championship pick? 
for this one, I, I guess Chase Elliott, he's at the top of the – he was the regular season champion. He's at the top of the list. Uh, he's certainly one of the favorites. Um, but I would like to see Ryan Blaney uh, get a win sometime in these next – these final races and, and be able to go after that championship as well. So we'll see what happens. If he does win the championship, it's going to be uh, kind of reminiscent of when Matt Kenseth did it. I, I, he went through the the uh, play, they didn't have playoffs then, but it's part of what created the playoffs to put that emphasis on a win. So it'll be interesting to see what happens if Ryan Blaney does yeah. that. I, I I'm going to say my outside pick right now is probably going to be Joey Logano. Oh, okay. Joey, Joey is—he's good. He's good at these last tracks that we're coming to, and mm-hmm. I just think that Joey's—he—he he never holds back. You know, he'll be aggressive when he needs to be. But I just think that Joey—I think he's when it comes to experience, he's a—he's a past champion already, just like Chase mm-hmm. Elliott. Chase Elliott is a past champion, but Chase Elliott doesn't have the experience that Joey Logano has. Sure, Chase Elliott has a lot of races under him, but Joey Logano has more. And I just think that 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 I think that'll play into more into into Logano's hand. Um, as far as the, as far as making the, the the four, he's he's technically out of the top four, but I I think it's, I think he's gonna I think he's gonna be one of the top four to, to make it into the um, into the uh, into the playoffs. I think Danny Hamlin won't make the top four. Well, it's going to be interesting to watch with these upcoming races. Uh, the elimination race uh, uh, happens uh, this weekend at the Charlotte Roval. We'll have eight. And then uh, after Martinsville, I think it is, uh, is when we pair it down to the last four drivers. So Martinsville is another one of those races where a lot of things can happen. It's, it's going to be fun to watch, Sal. Are you going to be at a racetrack this weekend? Uh, yeah, we got Orangeville. We got our championship night at Orangeville this weekend. So the late models, we we we're, we already got a pro late model champion. We had him. We crowned him last weekend, which is Lenny White. And for those of you who haven't followed social media, real quick, keep um, Lenny White and and uh, his wife in their prayers. His his uh, race shop burned down. Mm. Um, I think it was Thursday or Friday. It burned down to the ground. They lost eight race cars, including two brand new, a brand new Hamke and a brand new um, Fury, along with what I heard was a couple of Tony McRae's um, uh, vintage race cars that she had stored there. They got burned. Oh, no. and then, um, yeah, and uh, it was just it was it was just dev- it was a devastating fire. It was a devastating time for Lenny. Now he's got to rebuild. And um, there is another uh, friend of ours, um, Rob. Uh, Rob Kimmelly also had um, he's the one that had the two new race cars in there and then he had some of his landscaping stuff in there so all in all it was just um, it was a it was a devastating time um, you can go to Lenny White's um, Facebook page they have a GoFundMe set up Kyle Bush, oh, good. Kyle Bush Kyle Bush tweeted on it Saturday when I was at the race he tweeted he put the he put the GoFundMe link on his page so um, they're trying to help right. Lenny and raise some money, you know, to try and rebuild. So, anyways, um, <clears throat> that's that's basically all I have. Okay. Well, thanks, Sal, for uh, 
uh, everything you did in uh, bringing Zilla and Sampa to the show tonight. And uh, we'll look forward to talking to you again on Monday night. All right. Good night, you all. You guys have a good weekend, and um, be safe. Okay. Thank you. Talk to you later. Okay. Okay. Goodbye. All right. Uh, We're a little past the top of the hour, but it is time for our NASCAR Hot Topic Sound Off with our Fan for Racing crew. We have uh, Jay Huseman here. Welcome to the show, Jay. Thank you, Sharon. Uh, you and Sal lead right into Hot Topics so well. Uh, that talk about Championship 4 and who it might be, I was like, that is a hot topic. We just aren't ready for it yet. <laughs> well, yeah, he's, he, he likes to get into it. Uh, one of these days he's going to stay on for Hot Topics, but we'll have to, we'll have to see when that's going to happen. He's a pretty busy guy. We also have uh, Mike Orzel on board. Welcome to the show, Mike. Hello, good to be on with everybody. And we also have Tommy Kraft here. Welcome, Tommy. Hey, how are y'all? Thanks for having me back. We're glad to have you back. It's been a little while. So uh, we've got a lot to talk about here on Hot Topics tonight. Uh, Tommy, why don't you uh, kick us off tonight? Why don't we just go with... um like a recap of the uh, Talladega race on Sunday, like what are everybody's thoughts and everything on the on the race? On the Talladega race? Okay. Yes, the best race the of the year, in my opinion. That's what I meant. Okay. Yes. All right, uh, Jay, your thoughts about the Talladega race? Truthfully, uh, it wasn't your typical Talladega race, uh, believe it or not. And uh, I didn't know how to put this into hot topics. I know we got a couple on the safety of the car. I don't know if the fact that that was in drivers' minds, they showed, and they have before, especially at the top level at NASCAR Cup Series, they can run without wrecking. They came to uh, both the stage ends as well as the finish of the race. And I know there was some bumping and banging. We did have a couple of cars that were in wreck but we didn't have the typical big one all out, take out the field and that underdog story we like to see happen. Um, So that was really interesting. I thought based on the fact that everybody was concerned about the, uh, the car and the safety of the car. Um, So that lends credence to my argument. When we do talk about that, the drivers have a role in this. They can handle the car. Um, Not to say there can't be improvements, but you know, it, it was a great race. Uh, I know I heard you talking about uh, Ryan Blaney um, and the possibility of him winning the championship. He is so steady. I know last year he had the breakout year, if you will, multiple wins. We haven't seen that this year as he doesn't have any, but he is still in there weekly contending um, no matter what track you're at. And I think he's got a great shot at the Roval and moving on to the next round. So I thought it was a really great race. You didn't know until the end, and that goes across the um, – all three of this series, uh, big shout-out, truck series, Matt DiBenedetto. Uh, you know, a lot of people couldn't believe that was his first NASCAR win at the top level. Um, that was great to see. I know that one took some uh, process and examination and, uh, and a delay uh, to determine the win, And but I do think NASCAR made the right call as far as how they the rules are, uh, put it that way. Um, whether they should have thrown the Costner, let him run to the checkered, and then it would have went to Brett Holmes, who I also would have loved to have seen win. Um, mm-hmm. 
was a difficult position, but they threw the caution. When the caution comes on, that's when the race is over. I think they made the right decision as it pertains to those rules. So I thought it was a great weekend of racing there at Talladega. Okay, Mike. Well, it was so refreshing to finally see a race and now on a Monday talk about a race where the story is the racing and not problems with the car, concerns about driver safety, et cetera. So refreshing that we're having this conversation now. Hopefully we've got more of them coming in the future. With regard to the racing itself, I'm not going to disagree with Jay, but I'm also not going to agree with him regarding the safety concerns leading to the racing the way it was. I don't know if you all saw Denny Hamlin's interview after the race, but he kind of pointed out that the way the car handles aerodynamically in the pack kind of lends itself to just too wide racing through the majority of it, where if you try to make a move and make a third lane, more often than not, you're going to get hung out. And the only time that a third lane works is if pretty much everybody goes with you and you hang somebody else out in that third lane. He also pointed out the fact that the spring Talladega race, the, especially the third stage, finished under a very long green flag run. And that was really before the safety concerns of the car really boiled up to the very top of everyone's consciousness and concern. So maybe there is a bit of a uh, thought of, Maybe I don't make that stupid move and wreck myself and potentially get hurt. Maybe there was a little bit of that playing in there. But if nothing else, based on the comments of Denny Hamlin, I don't think that was the only reason why we saw the racing that we did on Sunday. It was a good race. It was probably not the most competitive uh, Talladega race in terms of passing and whatnot. Like, uh, like Denny said, especially once you got back in the back of the pack, you really had to have some things go your way that were outside of your control to work your way to the front. So you couldn't just throw the anchor out the window, go to the back, ride around, and then work yourself back to the front like you used to be able to do at super speedway races. You really had to fight for that track position. Um, impressive moves by Chase Elliott and Ryan Blaney. I think they both controlled the majority of that race. Even when they weren't leading, it really felt like the race was down to those two drivers for most of the day. Brian Blaney won the first stage, Chase Elliott won the second stage in the race, and it felt like both of those guys were the two fastest cars on the track, and they had the best ability to move within the pack. Even when they get back in the back half of the top ten, outside of the top ten, they seem to be able to work their way back to the front pretty handily, which kind of goes against the statement of once you get back in the back, you can't pass. You just need a fast car and some good moves to do it. And regarding Ryan Blaney, I am so happy, so happy he made it into the playoffs versus some of the other drivers, and I know, Sharon, it's going to hurt a little bit, but look at how Ryan Blaney and the 12 team has performed versus Martin Truex and the 19 team. I think the way things worked out at Daytona was probably for the best in terms of getting the driver that had the best chance to win the championship into the playoffs. I'm not saying I'm going to count Blaney as a championship favorite, but he's certainly been impressive in the playoffs, even though he still hasn't found victory lane. Okay. Yeah, I thought the racing – uh, was pretty good, and and I like you, Mike. I I was really happy to see the kind of racing that we saw at Talladega. It proves that it can happen that way. Uh, I know that you 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 brought up uh, Denny Hamlin's interview, uh, and and about passing and how difficult it is to pass, and that probably did play into it somewhat. But uh, I do think that uh, the drivers made a conscious decision about their aggressiveness in driving as well, and and for good reason, uh, and, and I was happy to see that. In fact, in the uh, we had a race review finish uh, for the truck series 
we had a close finish in the Xfinity series. It was, I think, 40, uh, one of them, let's see. Yeah, okay, the Xfinity series was 15 one-thousandths of a second, and then you had uh, uh, 46 one-thousandths of a second in the cup race. So it was pretty close racing for the finish, which made it fun to watch. And uh, nobody banged each other and took them out of the race or spun them or or anything like that. So uh, for me, it's just validation that these guys are capable of doing that. Uh, And it actually, in my mind, produces better racing when they when they when they are not overly aggressive. Um, And then um, uh, as far as uh, the Ryan Blaney and. And uh, Chase Elliott thing, it was Chase Elliott's move up into the top lane that made all the difference in the world. That was an amazing move, last-minute decision or uh, a quick decision. I don't know if it was last minute, but he took advantage of the opening that was there, and he only had uh, a millisecond to make that decision. And it was a good move. It was a race-winning move. And uh, I thought that was an amazing move on uh, the part of Chase Elliott. Um, Ryan Blaney was coming back, though. If he'd had another half a lap there, I think he might have caught him. Uh, And then same thing in the Xfinity Series. One of the things I noted uh, when we did the review is in the Xfinity Series, all cars were running at the end of that race, no cars were taken out by accident. Uh, and if you're talking about Talladega Super Speedway, that's a phenomenal stat right there. Um, and there were, what, three cars that were taken out in the Cup Series. It, it's amazing, though, that the Xfinity Series had no accidents, no mechanical failures, every single car. Now, they weren't all on the lead lap. But every single car was running when the race was over, which is is amazing. So I was happy with the racing this weekend. Happy for Matt DiBenedetto. Uh, like Jay, I would have you know, I would have been just as happy for Brett Holmes had he won it. Uh, but the race review showed when the caution came out that it was Matt DiBenedetto. Uh, so super excited for him. AJ Allmendinger was so ecstatic about getting that victory. Uh, and finally winning on the super speedway, so that was huge. And then, uh, like I said, the move by Chase Elliott in the Cup Series. I thought it was all great racing. Tommy, what are your thoughts? I agree. Um, it was a great weekend of racing at Talladega. Um, I was disappointed to see uh, after the race yesterday on Twitter that people were saying it was boring. Talladega is never <laughs> boring. Um, that's just not even – I don't even know why people are saying that. It was a great race on Sunday. Um, there was only one wreck that took out Harrison Burton and Ty Gibbs, and that was the one. And other than that, I mean, the two stages had photo finishes, as did the Xfinity race. Um, I was able to catch the Xfinity race and the uh, cup race. I saw some of the truck race, and – Honestly, the truck race was the most difficult one to watch because it was kind of a wreck fest. Um, but it did have the exciting finish, uh, and Matt DiBenedetto finally did win um, his first race uh, at the in one of the three series. So um, I thought he had an Xfinity win, but I was wrong. So, um, But then the Xfinity race was great. I mean, like you said, there was no cars 
and there was no wreck. All the cars finished the race, and um, I believe it had some photo finishes for the uh, stage wins. Mm-hmm. So, and then the Sunday race was the same, and I, I don't know how they didn't wreck. Those last 20 laps were crazy. Um, had that caution had not come out with lap five, I think we would have seen a big one. There was no way. I mean, Chastain and Jones and Blaney and Chase Elliott, who are running up there in the top four with Blaney and McDowell, like that top five, top six. It was it was getting crazy there because I was waiting for one of them to jump out. Somebody was going to throw a block, and I just foresaw that coming, and then the caution came out, and then they restarted with two laps to go. And Chase Elliott just made a, a move and got up in front of Eric Jones, and that was all she wrote. Then he was the winner. I really was thinking Jones or Blaine was going to win that race on Sunday. Um, but, yeah, it was it was a great race. Um, my pick was McDowell. He came in third. So, I, you know, and then I was able to cut it right over to the Patriots, but they ended up losing in overtime. Oh, dang. <laughs> okay, Jay, your follow-up? Well, my follow-up would have to be what, on to- what what Tommy just said, and it tells you the nature of the fans. They say they don't want to see the wrecks. They want safety and good racing. Yet when they get it, then, then they're like, no, that was boring. I just – I don't understand. I mean, I don't we get that. Yeah, <coughs> it's like they got to have something to complain about without any wrecks. They can't complain about the safety, so they complain about it being boring. And, and I heard one on the morning drive uh, this morning, and – uh, Mike Bagley, I mean, asked him point blank a couple of times. He said for qualifying, he wanted to see more excitement, take the uh, restrictor plates off or whatever and let him go 200 miles an hour because 190 or 180 you know, wasn't exciting. And it's like, what does that 10, 20 miles an hour add to it? Uh, nothing. I mean, it, you can't tell it by the naked eye. You have to be told that was what their speed was. You can't see it. You got to see great racing. I mean, I don't. I just don't understand. I thought it was good racing. I understand the risk of Talladega, uh, you know, as Mike likes to call it, the, the junk food. And that's why with the four that we have a year, five if you count Atlanta, I understand the need for it. And you want to see it done safely, which they showed they can do uh, throughout most of the series. I know the trucks had a few more wrecks. But that, to me, was great racing. And you didn't know until the last split second who was going to win the race. You know, what more can you ask for? Mike, I'm going to definitely agree with Jay on this one. I, what more do you want? I'm, I, I've, I've been beating the drum for months now about driver safety and the safety of the Gen 7 car. So to see a race where the topic of discussion should be the racing on the track because there weren't safety concerns. As far as I know, nobody got hurt this weekend in the Cup Series race. Everyone, anyone who was involved in contact has not had a, any kind of issues with, uh, with follow-on injuries or anything like that. So the topic of discussion is racing, and the racing was good. Could it have been better? Sure, I guess. Maybe that, that chaos right before the big wreck at Daytona or Talladega might be a little bit more exciting. But that's only exciting to the point where they wreck, and your favorite car and 10 of his buddies get taken out. So I'll take what we had at Talladega this weekend, especially coming off of the past couple of weeks where we've seen drivers get seriously hurt. So I'm glad that the topic of discussion is what makes good racing or not, because I can talk about that all day. I don't want to talk about drivers getting hurt and I'm happy with what we had. So more of it, 
Now, that doesn't mean I want more restrictor plate super speedway style racing. No. They're, talking about recon- they're talking about reconfiguring Texas Motor Speedway, and they haven't announced any sort of plans on what that's going to look like. The rumor is they're considering turning it into another Atlanta-style 1.5-mile super speedway. I absolutely do not want that. We're already at critical mass for super speedways. What we have is fine. Daytona and Talladega on their own two dates a year was fine. Throwing two dates at Atlanta in there, you're really starting to get close to critical mass here where it's too much of the schedule. Anything more than that, another date or two with the reconfigured Texas would definitely be over the top. As much as I enjoy junk food and junk food racing, I don't want any more of it in our Cup Series schedule. I'm happy with what we have. Yeah, I have to agree with you, Mike. I'm happy with it where it's at, too. I'm not – I usually am not a fan of the super speedway racing. I enjoyed the tandem racing that they were doing at super speedways. I was in the minority, though. A lot of people didn't like that. Uh, but I thought the racing this weekend was uh, good, hard racing. And you saw people come from the back and right up to the front again. Uh, but they had to do it methodically. And they had to work with each other and, and uh, you know, race each other in order to make that happen. And they did. Uh, and nobody was hurt. The only injury that we saw this weekend really was uh, uh, Jordan Taylor. And thank goodness. Uh, I heard he went back to the doctor. He went back to the emergency room uh, after going to Birmingham. Uh, but everything yeah, was actually, still okay. Me? I was going to bring that up as a, as a hot topic. I've got a full update on Jordan Anderson coming if you if you want to wait. Oh, okay. We'll wait on that then. But yeah, that was that was the only injury this weekend, and that was amazing. We'll talk about it uh, in a few minutes, I guess. But uh, the racing overall, the truck series does tend to be uh, super aggressive. I wish they would kind of tone that down a little bit. I used to think that the truck series was the best racing in NASCAR, but they become so aggressive. Uh, in the truck series that I don't enjoy it uh, nearly as much as I once did. Um, I do think uh, the racing that we saw in both the Xfinity Series and the Cup Series was really exciting racing, and uh, uh, I hope they continue to race like that at Talladega, and even Daytona for that matter, because they've proven uh, that they can put on a good show without wrecking each other. Tommy? Yeah, once again, that racing was great this weekend in, um, in the Xfinity Series and the Cup Series. I mean, it's impressive when you go to Daytona and Talladega and don't have a big one. I mean, mm-hmm. and the racing, like I said, both of those races had photo finishes in, I think, all three stages. I know at least in two of them they did for both races. So, And it was just great. I mean, it's Talladega. It never disappoints. I could not believe some of the stuff I was seeing on Twitter, but... Um, overall, just a great weekend of racing at Talladega. Um, actually, uh, maybe they can add one more plate race to the uh, schedule. Why don't we do a Daytona night race? And so Talladega has three dates per year. Now, that would be awesome. I'm all for that one. We'll take a Atlanta race away, uh, so that way we can do that. Uh, we can start the season off. We can do the Bud Shootout uh, to follow the uh, the Coliseum at Talladega, then go to Daytona. Okay, there's a thought. Okay, Jay, you get to start us off on the next top topic. 
Hold on. Uh, no, go ahead. I'm. My dogs grabbed something. I got something from him. <laughs> I got you. Um, being that we talked about the great racing, we should, the topic of car safety is still out there, and it was addressed by Denny Hamlin, who had met with Steve Phelps. Um, so there's some interviews uh, with Denny Hamlin, media interviews, um, in which he addressed it, as well as Steve Phelps. They are already getting ready to test a new rear clip um, that was obviously developed early in the year. NASCAR has been working on it. So uh, what thoughts were on that and Denny Hamlin's interviews? Okay, Mike. Yeah, it was weird. Denny Hamlin almost contradicted himself a couple times back and forth this weekend. Earlier in the week, he was talking about the issues that we're having with the Gen 7 cars, a, quote, failure of leadership, kind of ambiguously pointing a finger at NASCAR leadership but not naming any names. And he specifically said, no, 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 I'm not talking about Steve Phelps. He never really implied of exactly who he was talking about but definitely pointing the finger at NASCAR leadership in terms of the development and testing or lack thereof, perceived lack thereof, the Gen 7 car and leading to the issues that we've had with it. Uh, And then he's kind of backtracked on it a little bit about the new rear clip and all that. That's good to see, but it kind of highlights the issue that I was talking about a couple weeks ago with communication between NASCAR and the teams. There's been a lot of talk about drivers being outspoken and very vocal and critical of NASCAR and their perceived lack of changes or lack of concern regarding the safety of the Gen 7 car. Denny Hamlin, Kevin Harvick, and others have been very vocal about it. And the point I brought up a couple weeks ago was that maybe due to a communication breakdown between NASCAR, their R&D department, and these teams and drivers themselves. So drivers are left in the position where they don't know what NASCAR is working on or where they are in that process. And through that ignorance of the process, the drivers are out there saying things that they don't have the most current information when they're saying it. So I think a a communication improvement between NASCAR, their R&D department, and the teams would really help this situation that we've talked about. Okay, Connie? Yeah, um, it was actually kind of a bad week last week for uh, concussions. if, you know, everybody knows now that Alex Bowman had a concussion at Texas. Um, second concussion this year because Kurt Busch had one at Pocono. So I did see where they were going to be testing the rear clips on the car um, and that they were going to be doing a crash test or something. I mean, that's awesome because this is becoming an issue. But in addition to those guys, I mean, Look at what happened in the NFL with Tua getting a concussion last week. So, I mean, last week was just a brutal week with uh, concussions going around. Um, I mean, you hate to see it, but in NFL and NASCAR, it's, you know, that's a risk because of uh, of the nature of the sport uh, that, that they compete in. But, um, yeah, they definitely need to be doing this, this test that they're going to do, crash tests, and they definitely need to do something because – I was kind of on the fence at Talladega, like, you know, what if there's a big wreck and that somebody seriously gets hurt? Like, what what's it going to take? I mean, back in 2000, 2001, look at all the guys that passed away um, from the uh, from the not using the Hans device. And now they have this back end of the car that's causing people to have concussions. I mean, 
you know, what what would have happened if we would have had a Ryan Newman crash at Daytona at Talladega? I mean, that would have been bad. And, uh, you know, I don't know if they changed the style of racing because that was a playoff race, but it was weird that there wasn't a big one. But um, either way, it was still a great race without the wrecks, and it was exciting. But uh, just glad that there was not a big one that caused us to be talking about safety concerns again or another concussion or somebody being hurt right now um at the cup level but um and what's even crazier about bowman's is is he wrecked on sunday at texas and he didn't have the concussion symptoms until wednesday so that's um you know that's weird and that's terrible and um i guess he'll be back at the rubble this weekend but either way uh, they definitely, NASCAR does need to be looking into this. And Denny has been really vocal and I would say aggressive. But, I mean, there's always going to be somebody that's the, the one to speak up. And I guess that's Denny in this case. Yeah, we've kind of been talking about this uh, on Hot Topics for the last several weeks. And, and one of the things that I think came out uh, at Texas especially, but even the race before, is that uh, some of these wrecks are happening because of the tire pressure. Goodyear gives them a uh, recommended range of where they can set their PSI on the tire pressure, and it was the drivers who were being conservative that did not have any issues with the tires, and there were more of those than there were with the team's that took a more um, uh, aggressive approach uh, and worked outside of that recommended range. Those were the tires that were blowing up uh, at the track. And so uh, I do think that they are staying within that recommended range now and that that's really helped the situation. Uh, And I think drivers don't want to get into these accidents and take the risk of getting a concussion uh, like we're seeing as well, and I do think that they're they're kind of taming themselves down a little bit uh, for that reason as well. And it is in their hands to be able to do that. And like I said, they can, they are capable of doing that. We're at that time of the show where I've got to make an announcement, and then I'll continue with my thoughts here. Um, for those people that are tuning in for the first time. Uh, we go off the air at exactly 10.30 p.m. Eastern Time tonight, but we are going to continue to record the rest of the conversation, and that will be available as part of our bonus overtime material on our podcast. Now, what I'll do is I'll go out on Twitter as well as Facebook to let you know that the podcast is available, and at that point you can go to the player that we have at com and just fast-forward to the two-hour mark to hear the rest of that conversation. So, again, we don't want anybody to be caught off guard, and that's why we make the announcement at this time of the night. Um, But anyway, what I was getting at is that uh, it is in the driver's hands, and I think they've shown uh, that they're capable of – and and Greg Ives even uh, took the blame. I know a lot of people told him it wasn't his fault, but Greg Ives even – uh, apologized to his driver, uh, Alex Bowman, and uh, I, I think he realized that that is true, that they made that decision to go outside of that recommended PSI range, and that's part of the reason why he had the wreck. So 
<clears throat> I do think that uh, uh, that awareness is a good thing. Uh, is it an ideal situation? No, it's not an ideal situation, but it's the only situation that we have to deal with right now uh, and that the drivers have to deal with right now as well as the teams until NASCAR is able to put together this plan uh, to fix the problem. And, and they have been working on it. Um, and, Mike, you bring up a good point. It sounds like uh, perhaps uh, the communication back to the teams to let them know exactly what they are doing to look at each of these situations and come up with a plan. Uh, maybe that communication hasn't been there, and that's why these drivers are kind of in a panic uh, about something's got to be done and it's got to be done right away. First of all, they can't do it right away. Logistically, it's it's just not going to happen. We're already in a supply chain issue. Um uh, uh, with uh, parts and, and things, uh, and any changes that they're going to be able to implement probably aren't going to happen until 2023. So the driver, it's going to be up to the drivers and the teams to do what they need to do in order to keep racing this season and not take those risks of, um, uh, you know, a driver uh, cutting a tire down or hitting a wall with an accident or anything else. So uh, I do think that uh, uh, they're doing that, and uh, I think that communication is taking place. The the thing with Denny Hamlin's talking to Steve Phelps, um, Steve Phelps talked to him before the race at Talladega. That meeting came a day after uh, Hamlin gave some very charged comments to the media about NASCAR leadership. Uh, Denny played it down like, you know, we talk all the time and it's not always about safety concerns. I wouldn't bother him with that kind of thing. But uh, I do think that there probably was a conversation uh, about the approach. And because I've said this before, the drivers complaining the way they were complaining is not a good look for NASCAR. There, there is a way for them to. There is a way for them to communicate those things uh, that is not quite so harsh. Uh, I'm not saying some of what they're saying has validity to it. I agree with that, but uh, they don't have to be as harsh as they were being uh, with with the with NASCAR. And I think if they keep that open dialogue, I know Andy Petrie came out with a video, and he said this process has been in place. They are working on a solution, and it's been going well. And they've got drivers, they've got team members, they've got crew chiefs and people throughout the industry, manufacturers that are all involved in this process. So that is half of the communication gap is there, and some of these drivers apparently uh, haven't gotten the word about what they're doing. Uh, but a, a lot of that is coming out now, and that's all a good thing. So we'll see what happens. But, Jay, what are your thoughts? Uh, and we only got 28 minutes left. Um, first, <laughs> the the interviews you saw with Denny Hamlin, they were, yeah. he still was making his point of safety. However, it was an appropriate thing. And I, and I yeah. think about, you talked about this, other drivers that have been leaders of safety in the um, NASCAR industry. Jeff Burton, the mayor, being one of them. You don't see him getting on social media and screaming and acting a fool. These are my words. Like that. 
Okay, if Denny Hamlin would have done this from the beginning, I don't think we'd even be talking about this, you know. And, and that's that's all it takes. If he talks to Steve Phelps, who uh, Mike said it, he was very contradictory. First off, of attacking NASCAR and its leadership. Oh, but not the one I just talked to. Or you know, well, who is that? He's the president. I mean, if you you know, who is it you're attacking then? Second was then he referred to. Oh, I wouldn't bother him with safety. That's a knickknack item. Wait, you've been screaming. That's the most important thing, and you know that I didn't like that. But I liked the way he handled his interviews. You know, like I said, he still made a point. He was concerned about safety. It needs to be addressed. We all agree with that. Improvements can be made. So the the other thing then is in response, everybody's like, "Well, NASCAR's not doing anything." No, they were. They're just not screaming back like that. They're handling business. You don't need to be jumping up and down screaming, look at me, this is what I'm doing, don't worry. They just handle it. The other thing I look at, and I might have to do this in, in the second round part, is the car the way it is now is in response to issues drivers had in the first couple of races. We were seeing problems about the transaxle uh, issues. They wanted a harder rear end to protect that in the housing. They got it. That might have been a little bit of a knee-jerk reaction on NASCAR's part without the testing that should have been done because then it became too rigid and affected the drivers when it came to especially rear impacts. Uh, Throughout the race and the NASCAR uh, race hub shows over the past couple days, they really broke that down. You know, you look at the old car, you back it into the wall, it destroys the back of the car, but the driver's okay. Well, now we see that where this, the hits we've seen, especially when it comes to the couple that we've had talking about possible concussion. Again, I don't know that the concussion comes from one hit, but uh, multiple. But anyway, they back it into the wall. Bowman said it's the hardest he's ever hit. That car was still drivable. There was no greatly visible damage to the rear of the car. Okay. So, yes, an improvement needs to be made there. An adjustment needs to be made. But that goes back to it was in response to what they asked for to begin with. So I don't know how much, you know, driver input was taken. We're not privy to that. But, you know, Andy Petrie talked about it. You know, first off, when they say, okay, Richard Childress Racing and Andy Petrie especially were involved in that, um, they're not going to design something for Richard Childress to say, yeah, my grandson's out there racing. I don't care if it's in an unsafe car and he could get killed. I mean, that's just ridiculous <laughs> to even think that, let alone any driver. Um, I get too far off there. but And this is one I'm going to – I told him I'd mention him. Uh, Quentin's been messaging me, and he said, too, I wasn't aware that they were working on this rear end clip. That's okay. Have your trust in their leadership. They run their sport for a reason because they, they handle business. You know, does that mean they're perfect? Absolutely not. Who is? But they'll handle it. And I'll wait until back our second time around. Okay, Mike, your follow-up? Well, on the, on the issue of trust, Jay brings up a good point, but it, the, uh, the counterpoint to that, though, is there's – it's understandable to have a little bit of distrust based on the amount of alleged testing that was done on the Gen 7 car going into this season. NASCAR said that they tested the car extensively, both in simulation and in real world, and they found the car to be incredibly safe and so on and so forth. We've covered that. So I understand that there's a level of, I don't want to say distrust, but 
cautious optimism at best that they're going to get it right this time. I'm glad that they're working on an improvement. I don't think it's going to be ready. Like you said, it's not going to be ready until next season, but hopefully they get it right this time and they're able to fix some of the issues that we've seen, especially later on in the season like this. Uh, There's two out of the five tracks I'm kind of concerned about. Las Vegas and Miami are both fast one-and-a-half-mile tracks. If we get through those two races, hopefully no one else gets hurt, and uh, we can move on to 2023, hopefully with a much safer race car. Time will tell. I've got my fingers crossed, and I'll be holding my breath until then. Let's get through these next five races. Nobody else gets hurt. Everyone gets to compete. We have some good, clean, fun racing, and that's what we get to talk about. Okay, Tommy. Yeah, I think Kevin Harvick had, like, one of the best tweets, though, about this. Well, I wouldn't say it was a good tweet, but um, he said something like, NASCAR ran multiple tests before the car was released, and the data showed this or whatever. Harvick's like, however, I'm a driver, and I'm telling you that this is bad. You should at least listen to our point of view or something like that. And, um, I mean, I'm sure that they do listen to driver feedback, but... um, yeah, Denny Hamlin and Kevin Harvick going off on the net. On the issue was not um, – I mean, they're going to do it, and they do need to voice their opinion, but there could be a better way to do it than just blast off on Twitter. But um, either way, um, I'm just glad to see that they're going to be testing the car uh, to improve, and like y'all are saying, I mean, anything they do is not going to be ready until 2023, but at least they are working on it, and we know that now, and um, I just hope that Kurt Busch and Alex Bowman are able to come back and at least finish out the year at some point, because they're the two drivers that are out uh, right now with the concussions, and um, you know, it stinks, but they also still have five more races, so I mean, there is a possibility, like, they're going to be going to Homestead and uh, Martinsville and uh, Phoenix and the Roval. What's the other one that's left? Kansas, I think. So the two that I see being an issue there for, you know, if they were to have a bad crash or injury, I would say would be Homestead or Kansas. Um, but I think they would be able to get through Martinsville and the Roval and uh, Phoenix okay. But uh, either way, just a bad week for concussions, like I said. I mean, Tua might have had one on Sunday and then plays in the game on Thursday and has a vicious concussion if you saw the game. Awful. And then I, while that's going on, I get on Twitter and Bowman has symptoms showing up from a crash that he had on Sunday. And I'm like, y'all saw the replay. I mean, it was about like Kurt Busch's crash. It did not look awful at all. It did not look like a bad crash. I mean, I mean, we've seen Michael McDowell flip multiple times at Texas. We've seen, you know, Newman get smoked at Daytona like he did. And those guys, you know, they're fine. And, I mean, Bowman and Bush will be fine. But either way, it's a serious issue that NASCAR needs to look into. And, of course, they're obviously going to do that. Yeah, it's not that they're going to do it. They've been doing it uh, all season long as they get feedback uh, throughout the season, and and like I say, it's a joint effort. The drivers have been involved with it, the teams, uh, the manufacturers, everybody's been involved with it, and and that's why I guess I take exception uh, to the drivers kind of handling it the way that they're handling it. Um, uh, they could have talked to somebody like uh, Andrew Petrie, who's a part of that group, and Andrew could have told him, yeah, we are looking at that. 
but I don't know why that communication uh, seems to be lacking from the outside looking in. But let me give you a good example. There was a picture of uh, Jordan Anderson's uh, fire uh, shown by Good Morning America, and they started jumping on the bandwagon of how NASCAR is not taking care. They called it a next-gen seven car, um, and, and they also showed a wreck in the Xfinity series, uh, which has not. Neither one of those series have anything to do with the next-gen seven car. But all of these reporters who don't really know NASCAR are highlighting it saying that, you know, the drivers have been complaining about this next-gen 7 car. And it, it's just bad information that they're putting out there because the examples that they're showing have nothing to do with the next-gen 7 car. So um, that's how easily misinformation can happen uh, in, in, in the media. And... Um, uh, especially when you're talking about uh, a media outlet that doesn't really have a NASCAR background to really know what they're talking about. So uh, that's just something to be aware of as well. And I think that that could be part of what's happening with these tests because a lot of that is rumors have said. Uh, it's based on rumors, what the rumors have said. So, again, I, I, I don't know why... Um, people are getting all upset about that uh, when it's based on rumors uh, about the next-gen testing. Um, and, and, yes, NASCAR did explain that they used some robots in some cases. They used virtual testing in some cases because of the pandemic. Uh, I think there were only two actual tests. One of them was done at Talladega where they were able to have the cars physically on the track so when that happens, and Justin Marks brought up this point recently too, any time you bring out a new product, a lot of times you don't know what the problems are until you put it in the real-world situations, and then those problems come up and you have to deal with that. He said it could be this year. It, we could still be going through some of this even into next year, finding things that weren't caught this year uh, and making changes to this next-gen car. So that's not unusual for a new product to come out like this and have issues that have to be fixed, um, and especially in a situation where we have supply chain issues right now. So that's, uh, I think, kind of compounding the situation and uh, just some things for people to keep in mind when they're thinking about this. Jay, your thoughts? <clears throat> Sharon, you kill me. Um, yeah, they, it goes back to what, what Mike said. His his argument was based off of what allegedly took place. You know, so that right there, you're, you're basing it not off of fact, but off of allegations or rumors, as Sharon put it. Um, the other thing is not just with the car, and drivers will tell you this, when they simulate racing, there's only so much you can simulate. You're not getting driver feedback. What driver is going to step in in place of that crash test dummy to say, okay, I'm going to crash at 190 miles an hour to see what happens. No. What's happened throughout the year, they have listened to that, and that's when they started working on it. That's where their statement was. What we did in simulation and testing wasn't showing up this way. We had no way of knowing. 
It's been on the track now. There's issues. We addressed one of them. It created this one. We made the rear end harder to protect the uh, the equipment. It toughened the car up. Now we're having this issue. We got to address it. And they have, and they're getting ready to test that. But like I said, what driver is going to step up and say, okay, I'll be the one to test it? No, you've got to go based off computer simulation or whatever, or then what does happen. And they've got some great people behind this that can take that and go from there as they have now and getting ready to test this new rear clip. So trust in them. I, that's all I can say. Okay, moving on to the next hot topic. Mike, what do you got? I know I kind of said I was going to bring it up, so here we go. Uh, This is an update from what was probably one of the scariest situations I've seen in a long time in racing. Uh, Andy and I were both in the race day chat watching the truck series race, and we agreed this is probably the most terrifying thing we've seen in a long time, if not ever. So if you missed the truck series race, Jordan Anderson in the number three truck, he had a fuel line come loose in the engine bay in his truck during the race. And as you would expect, uh, there, there was a big fire. And while the truck was on fire, uh, Jordan was trying to bail out, and he bailed out of the truck right as the truck hit the inside wall, and he actually was ejected from the truck onto the inside wall. It was actually an impressive athletic move for him to land on the wall and get away from there, Uh, but that could have gone so, so, so much worse. He was airlifted from the racetrack to a hospital in Birmingham. He was evaluated, diagnosed with second-degree burns on his neck, his face, his hands, his right arm, and his knee but was discharged that night. Dale Earnhardt Jr. actually loaned him his airplane so he could fly home in a little bit more of a comfortable situation. Glad to report that Jordan looks like he's on the mend. He's going to have to go back into the hospital for some follow-ups for some complications, he said. But a scary situation that could have gone so much worse looks like it's going to actually end up being all right. Okay, Tommy, did you see that at all? Yes, yes, I did. I actually was uh had just cut the truck race on when that happened um saw the replay uh what was crazy was he actually the engine blew and he was basically spinning out in like turn one turn two onto the back stretch back straight away and um that was when he was trying to get out of the car i mean i saw the replay like as he was still spinning out like he's trying to get out of the car already and then he saw that he was going to hit the wall, so he got back in the truck for a second, hit the wall, and then immediately, like Mike said, like kind of catapulted out of there, walked behind the truck, and then that was when he fell down. And then, you know, we heard that he got airlifted and he had second-degree burns. And so, uh, you know, I remember watching the Dale Jr. download, and he was talking about his fire with Robbie Gordon. And Robbie Gordon said that that was one of the worst pains from a crash he ever had was, was burns and I've heard second degree burns are like the worst so I hope he uh, is okay and that he's able to uh, be able to run next year at Daytona because I believe he only like runs select races throughout the year for the truck series so but um yeah it was it was pretty pretty scary we haven't had a bad fire like that in a while from an accident and um yeah he was bailing out quickly and uh I'm glad he got out when he did Okay, Jay. Yeah, you guys have said it, and unless you've seen it, uh, we can't even possibly do it justice here trying to talk about it. 
Um, and, and I know Tommy mentioned Dale Earnhardt Jr. I know he has said that is one of the worst things he has gone through. Is uh, I think it was it was in another Trans Am series or something where he was running the Corvette, um, the, the fire issue. So I understand Jordan Anderson. Had the wall not been there, I mean, it looked like he was going to try and do a tuck and roll, still doing 160 miles an hour. Mentioned the wall. He saw the wall coming and tucked back in. Thankfully, the way it hit, he was not pinned in between there or whatever. Because, um, yeah, that looked so nasty on what could have been and how close it was. Um, and that just tells you, though, it, it, and I don't know how on the, on the truck there that happened, that that fire got that far and deep inside of the cockpit. I know they got a lot of different panels and things they do to prevent that. Um, that's one of those that see what happened. It's one of those that rarest of the rare um, that, you know, everything just lined up the right way for it to, to spew in there and, and catch on fire on the inside. But uh, just so thankful that he was able to wisely enough pull himself back in, however it happened to be back inside the truck. And even then with the impact, when he hit the wall, obviously he wasn't buckled in no more, you know, in his seat the way he belonged, that he didn't have any broken bones being rattled around. Like you said, whether he was ejected or still managed to jump at that point onto that safer barrier, um, just unbelievable. And so thankful uh, that he is in the condition he is and improving that it wasn't any worse. Yeah. <laughs> All I kept thinking is the good Lord had his arms around Jordan Anderson uh, in that car because uh, the way he was able to get himself, you could see the um, when the first happened, you could see even the commentators were talking about uh, the flames were in the co- cockpit right away. And uh, you could see him kind of trying to get the window net down and trying to get himself out of there. And then when he got to the, when it hit the barrier and he just popped up, <laughs> I was like, oh, my God, how did he do that? Because it, it, the, the, the timing on that had to be absolutely perfect. Otherwise, he would have been crushed in between the car and the, the truck and the barrier. Uh, it was just absolutely the most amazing thing I've ever seen. And um, I, I really... I'm thankful that it's um, it's not a good situation. You never like to see anybody hurt, but it could have been so much worse. And I'm thankful that Jordan Taylor, this is something he can heal from and get better from. And uh, he does say that uh, uh, he has he's heading to the Wake Forest Burn Center tomorrow. Uh, so they're going to be working with him and helping him through this. Uh, but... Um, I can't say too much more than what you guys have already said about how amazing that really was. Uh, and I do think the good Lord had his arms around him. Mike? Yeah, fire is uh, is no joke in a race car. I remember we saw Derek Lancaster get burned pretty bad in the ARCA race at Talladega last year as well. And mm-hmm. it sounds like he got it worse than Jordan Anderson did this past weekend. I had not – maybe I've missed it. I had not seen Derek Lancaster back racing again. I don't know if that's because of his injuries or I wouldn't blame him for wanting to hang it up after that. We kind of take take it for granted about, oh, well, these drivers are wearing fireproof suits. They're fine. Well, th- no, the, the suit is to keep you from dying. It's not to keep you from necessarily getting burned. And Jordan Anderson found that out this, this past weekend. 
And we've had fires in the Cup Series. Fortunately, no one's been hurt, but this is why it's such a big deal when Cole Custer, Kevin Harvick, Chase Elliott, when they have those serious fires with the car, that's a big concern. And as we talk about making the cars more impact safe, it can have a direct opposite relationship in terms of their fire safety. The more you make the car secure and tight around the driver, the more difficult it can be for either the driver to get out in an emergency or safety crews to get into the car to rescue a driver who may be pinned or incapacitated in that car. So it's a really difficult situation to be in, and I hope I never have to see it, but my perfect storm fear that I've got is a fire like that where the car is upside down and the what are you going to do? You know, we saw Chris Buescher flip and land on the roof in, at, at Charlotte, and took, it took them the better part of 10 minutes to get him out of that car. Granted, it wasn't on fire, so they approached it a little bit differently. But had that car been on fire like it was with Chase Elliott's car at Texas, that's a very, very, very serious situation. I'm not sure what the solution to that would be, aside from just hope we never, ever have to find that out. I'm so glad that Jordan Anderson is – I don't want to say he's okay, but he could have been so much worse, either from the crash impact or from the fire or both. So it sounds like he's on the road to recovery. It may be a bit of a long road, but at least he's on a road to recovery and not far, far worse because that could have definitely happened. Okay, Tommy? Yeah, it definitely could have been a lot worse, but that was crazy, right? Like he was trying to get out of the truck when he was thought he was about to hit the wall, got back in. I mean, it was really close. And then he got out, truck was on fire, walked on the wall and then behind his truck and then went to his knees. And then they airlifted him. I mean, it was a crazy scene. Um, but uh, it is second-degree burns, which is, isn't good. But, I mean, he'll, he'll be okay. And uh, I'm sure we'll see him racing at Daytona come February. It may because I feel like he actually does good at the uh, – plate racing, so maybe he'll come back and get a win. Yeah, he was running top five when that accident happened. Jay? Uh, as to what you said, Sharon, the good Lord had his hands around him, I'd just say amen, because uh, that was we we all thought what could have been and was so close. Um, so, I know he does, as Tommy mentioned, is kind of shifted towards an owner uh, role um, to know what he is. I mean, he used to be one that you know, open trailer, hauling it to the track, buy himself, unload it, work on it, whatever, that type of mentality of old school driver and built an organization. And he's still working within the Xfinity series to, to build that up. Um, so hopefully uh, this doesn't set him back all that much. Uh, I know he's kind of limited his own driving, um, but I do think we'll see him back. Yeah, the only other thing that I think I can add to this is I did read where NASCAR has mandated uh, fire extinguishers in the cockpit uh, to kind of deal with some of these fires as well. And I think they do need to have a button or something that a driver can deploy that from the steering wheel uh, because you bring up a good point that they're so restricted inside that cockpit cockpit, that it's hard for them to, you know, how do you handle a fire extinguisher? You got to pull the ring and and do a lot of things in order to get a fire extinguisher to work. So <clears throat> they, they've got to work out something where they can uh, deploy that fire extinguisher in these fire situations. Because I agree, there's nothing scarier than that uh, in the, in the, for a driver 
when there's a fire. So that's the only other thing I'm going to add to it. And, uh, Mike, you get the final word. Nothing more to add beyond just the, the best wishes possible for Jordan Anderson and his family. Like Jay said, not just a race car driver, but a very big part of the sport. There's a lot of drivers in all the levels of NASCAR who can thank their success to Jordan Anderson and the contribution that he's made. So hopefully he's able to recover quickly, get back to the racetrack, and continue making those positive contributions to our sport. Well said. Okay, uh, next, uh, let's see, where are we? Oh, we, we're at the point we got to stop. Okay, so uh, with that, let's go ahead and do our roundtable. Tommy, we'll start with you on the roundtable. Uh, at Since95, stand on Twitter. Uh, give me a follow and check out some of my diecasts. Uh, got some good ones planned for this month. Yep, I've been, I always enjoy those, Tommy. Mike? Mike underscore is L on Twitter, Mike double underscore O on Reddit. Uh, not much more to, to, to promote. I'm trying to get the race car fixed up and go racing this weekend at Columbus Air Force Base. So hopefully that all goes smoothly on Friday, but knowing the level of my mechanical aptitude, it never goes smoothly. We'll see how it goes. I do look forward to talking to you all on Thursday, though. I should be available again. Okay, great. Jay? Uh, you can follow me on Facebook, Michael Hoosman, MoparMJ8 on Twitter and Instagram. And I want to say one thing here. If, you, if you've seen my post, I know Sharon will probably hit on this with a flow racing. Uh, World of Outlaw Late Model Dirt Series lost their announcer, um, yeah. Rick Eshelman, over the – yeah. Um, so that was really sad to see. He is one that touched my life and is a, is a part of where I am. So our thoughts and prayers are with him. And then as a positive, uh, we can't officially say congratulations yet, but Andy Lasky is all but going to be our fantasy uh, truck series champion. Uh, One person has this absolute mathematical shot to tie it, and one could win it, but, yeah, don't bank on it. (laughs) So hopefully we get to uh, congratulate Andy uh, in person on Thursday, and I think after this weekend's race it will probably be official. Okay, well, congratulations to Andy. Um, I am Fan for Racing site on Twitter, Fan for Racing blog and radio everywhere else, including FanForRacing.com, where we have our Fan for Racing radio player, uh, and you can listen to the podcast of our show. Uh, big shout-out to our listeners. We hope you enjoy the show as much as we enjoy doing it, uh, and uh, we'll look forward to doing this again on Thursday night for our preview show of uh, the races that are taking place at the Roval, both the Cup and the Xfinity Series uh, at the Roval this weekend. And um, uh, to our Fan for Racing crew, tonight we have Tommy Kraft on board, as well as Mike Orzel and Jay Huseman. So thank you guys uh, for all that you do, as well as our co-host uh, on the earlier part of the show, uh, Sal Sagala. I uh, always enjoy uh, doing the show on Mondays and Thursday nights, and uh, we'll look forward to doing it again, as I said, this Thursday for our preview show. So with that, uh, I guess we're ready to call it a night. Good night, everybody. Good night. <laughs> Thank you.
Let's talk about Medi-Cal. You have a choice, and Molina makes it easy. So let's talk about making your life easier, about extra help to manage your health. Nobody knows Medi-Cal better than Molina. Visit meetmolinaca.com. Let's talk today. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.